Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Living the dream once again on a fabulous Saturday. Hartman and Papinga with you. Coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save. 15% or more in your car insurance Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Brady, I'm so excited today because I just can't wait for the Warriors to go down. Oh! (laughs) They can! Don't even get me started right now. I mean, no CP3. Uh, James Harden in a shooting slump. Warriors should win by 30 tonight and force a Game 7 back in Houston. But I smell something going on. I smell a Warrior team that's unraveling at the seams right now, led by their smug coach, Steve Kerr, who, by the way, seems to be more concerned about the NFL and its anthem practices than he is about actually coaching his team effectively. Why hasn't more been made of the absolute Warrior late-game meltdown the last two games? Absolute meltdown in the last two games by the supposed dynasty team, the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, you know, you know, the thing with the Warriors, though, is this is a team that this is the great, and I'm talking like since Kevin Durant has shown up, the the team that's never really faced any adversity. You look at last year's playoffs, 
I mean, San Antonio was probably going to be their most formidable challenge, but all of a sudden, Kawhi Leonard goes down with that ankle injury, and it, the, the series is basically over after that, and there wasn't this back and forth, which I anticipated if Kawhi would have stayed healthy. Now, all of a sudden, they're in a situation to where it is literally one of those deals to where you have to come up with a big game-changing shot in the most critical moments of the game, and it's almost like they don't know what to do because they haven't been there before. And I, and I get why Steve Kerr, after these last couple games, was like, I like where we're at because this is the final step and then breaking through to be a great team because, I mean, if they come back, win this series in the form they've done, which they've – look, they've done it without Kevin Durant before. If you remember back when they faced Kevin Durant and the Oklahoma City Thunder, they ran 3-1. to one. So this isn't like it's out of the norm for these guys. All of a sudden, figure it out and put it together. Now it is with when you consider Kevin Durant as part of the group. And that, to me, is the only last kind of hurdle they have to overcome is figure out the last part. Because today's going to be the same thing there, Steve. It's going to come down to the final moments and who's going to step up and make those big shots. And I'm going to tell you what, Kevin Durant's not going to sit around looking for other people. <laughs> He's going to take initiative. I'm sure, you know, Steph Curry's, uh, Curry's going to do the same thing. Uh, even Clay Thompson, the big three, even Draymond hit some big shots, uh, you know, the last game. So it's a matter of they haven't been here before, and now they are, and let's see how they handle it. And uh, look, the bottom line, you're right. If they get knocked out, then all this talk about greatness and everything was overblown. Well, it, it's and here's what's just interesting about how these last two games played out. So... In game four, you're at home. You just blew them out by 41. So everyone's just assuming Houston's done. Remember how game four starts? The Rockets are down 12 yeah. nothing. So you're like, oh, my God. They just a lost blink, by 41. Yeah. You're Now you're down 12 nothing. It literally looks like Houston just waved the flag and like, we're out of here. They call timeout. And then all of a sudden, they're back in the game. And then this, this was the amazing stat in game four. So before game four, the Warriors this season, regular season, postseason, had outscored their opponents by at least 10 points in the third quarter alone 30 times. So just focusing on the third quarter, there were 30 games during the regular season postseason in which the Warriors had outscored their opponents by at least 10 points in the third quarter. Their record in those 30 games, 30-0. and So the Mm. Warriors come back after a bad second quarter, outscore the Rockets 34-17 to in that third quarter to take a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. So again... Under those circumstances, they're 30 and 0. They haven't lost. Yeah. And they scored 12 points in that fourth quarter. The end of the game, look, I, I agreed with Kerr about letting, you know, letting it go. Oh, I mean, yeah. you got, you got Durant. No you're not going to call a time. There's That's no, plenty of time. Especially transition. Yes. So you got Durant. He's got his hands on the ball. All right. This is Kevin Durant's time. He hasn't scored in the last six and a half minutes of the game. He ain't even taken a shot. And he's dribbling around, and he throws the ball into the corner to Clay Thompson, who immediately gets trapped. And you're watching, yeah. like, what's going on here? Time's running out. Thompson throws up the air ball. Game over. I thought it was unfair. A lot of people were criticizing Kerr for not calling a timeout. My point was, where was the criticism of Kevin Durant? He didn't yeah. score a point in the yeah. last seven and a half minutes of the game. He didn't take a shot in the last three and a half minutes of game, and go back. If this had been LeBron James under the same circumstances, oh, right. he would have been eviscerated. There was oh, no yeah. talk about oh, Durant. Yeah. It was no all about, why didn't Steve Kerr call a timeout? So what happens in game five? Similar circumstances. This time they call a timeout. Let's set up a play. Great. You put the ball in Steph's hands. What does he do? He throws the ball to Draymond Green, of all people. As he's heading <laughs> up the court, he dribbles off his foot. Game over. So, you know, when we talk about coaching, when we talk about veteran teams, you're always talking about 
the ability, as you said, Brady, of understanding under certain circumstances, high-pressure circumstances, what do we do And the last two games, we've seen a Warrior team that seriously looks like they have no clue what to do when the game's on the line under these circumstances. To me, it's just shocking to watch this Warrior team unraveling these last couple of games. It's not shocking because it goes along the same story that I've been saying for the last year, maybe since this team was assembled, and that is this. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. It matters how you come together as a team, and then ultimately to win a championship, it requires far more than just raw talent to be able to pull this off, and even in their circumstance. The pressure that's on them right now is tremendous, and it's because literally if they don't win this series, even though they made it to the Western Conference Finals, which for most teams, man, that's a great season. It'll be a colossal failure. There'll be talk of, should Steve Kerr be let go? Should they you know, dismantle the core players? They'll have to think of that because you can't just stay the same. you know, you got to make some tweaks and, and adjustments, especially if your end goal is to win championships like for them. And so the pressure they're under right now is so tremendous that we saw two glimpses of it breaking the greatest, some of the greatest, at least the greatest group of players that we've seen together. And that goes to show you how difficult of a challenge they are facing in winning a championship. And that's why you got to sit back. If they, if they end up pulling things together, stop talking to me about, oh, well, of course they're winning because they're champions. No. Start appreciating what these Warriors are doing. If they pull things together and, and win this series in seven after being down 3-2 with two colossal failures in the fourth quarter, appreciate it. Appreciate their greatness. Because talent doesn't equal greatness. All talent is is, is is something that sets you up for greatness. To become great, you have to learn how to handle these adverse situations. You have to learn how to operate at a championship level in these situations. And ultimately, you have to go take that championship away from teams that are targeting you to not let you win that championship, which the Houston Rockets did in the offseason, not only by acquiring Chris Paul, but a number of other, uh, one of those diverse, it was this this big theme in the offseason for the Rockets was, we got to acquire these versatile defenders so we can match up and ultimately beat the Warriors. They had the Warriors on their mind all offseason. And that, ladies and gentlemen, if if, the, if they're still able to overcome all that, talking about the Warriors, don't go tell me they're, oh, they should have won it anyway. Yeah, they were de- – no, no, no. Don't go there. Go to the place where you understand that this is unbelievable and they are great if they're able to pull this off. Well, and again, what's even more shocking about this is you just lost Game 5 where James Harden could not have played any worse. He was 5-for-21, 0-for-11 from three-point land. He only had three rebounds and four assists, just 19 points, and you still lost to Houston. So, I mean, well, I mean, that, that, that's it, I mean it's but one thing if Harden has goals off, but I, I'm just like, you had a golden opportunity on a, a huge but off Steve, for Harden way, to take yeah, control, to and they still lost. The other way to spin it, though, is look, at Chris Paul was making shots that were just, I mean, they were laughable. I mean, that one where he shimmied after. But in the game, he he was only 6 of 19 shooting. That's okay. But in the second half, he had 18 points. Right. And I don't know how many of those were those terrible kind of clutch double pumping three-point shots that they don't ever, they they rarely ever fall. He made like three or four of them. I mean, he got to the point where he's like, heck, I'm just going to keep shooting those kind of shots. Let's let the shot clock roll down and then I'm going to jump up and make a bunch of fakes and throw them up. I mean, he was so confident that he'd make them that he was almost waiting to take those shots. And so, I mean, you could say that, but then the same breath, I mean, Chris Paul made shots that you're not going to make more than 20% of the time. And so, I mean, that, so that sort of cancels out Harden's situation. 
But to me, it just comes down to the Warriors. The Warriors have had a challenge this whole year of being consistently great throughout the year. And, and again, I mean, we talk about the challenges of having so much talent. This is one of them. Is this entitlement, this feeling of, hey, we can show up and we can we can overcome all these turnovers. And they've been getting away with it in certain series. But obviously, when you get down to the four best teams right now, you know, you can say the Rockets are the best team based off the regular season. You're not going to be able to get away with it for a seven-game series and pull it off. You have to play clean from the beginning until the end, game after game, or else you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in. And so you, you also got to look at that. I mean, the Warriors have not only been beaten by the Rockets, but they've also made huge, unforced errors when you talk turnovers, especially oh. in critical moments, that have led to their demise. So, I mean, again, this is a, it's an expression of how hard it is, ladies and gentlemen, to win championships regardless of how much talent you have. So let's see how let's see how it plays out. I, I predict that the, the, the Warriors are going to find a way to win the night. And I, I predict they're going to find a way to win in Houston. And we'll see what people say. We'll see if they remember these moments to where this team struggled and looked like they were about ready to be knocked out. And and if they are able to overcome it and win a championship, you got to sit back. you got to clap for them. I mean, you got to appreciate that unbelievable greatness that you're seeing. And now if they get knocked out, yeah. I mean, you could say they're phonies all the time because you have every right to. Well, and I can't wait for that day. Oh, can I not wait for that <laughs> day? I, you I was know, about you all I am week, just Steve. dreaming. Oh, I, yeah. Look, at, I never oh, yeah. dreamt for a second the, the Rockets had a speaker. chance. And after they lost that game three by 41, I said, forget it. Mike D'Antoni has, doesn't have the fiber well, to put together a team. Obviously, the play this year. The Warriors this year were always, they go have a great game, and then the next game they would just... Yeah, I mean, but we just like dismissed that as being regular season. They weren't, you know, they weren't paying they attention. No, they were going to turn it, it on the, when they have dude, to. Dude, they did it against the Pelicans, man. Yeah. They, did, they did it against the Pelicans. They did it against the Warriors. Game one, they went out, or against the Rockets, excuse me, they went out game one, played phenomenal in Houston. In game two, it was like, who's this team? I mean, you aren't even close to the team that you showed up at game uh, one. But I mean, they're, they're on the verge right now. They are on the verge. No, they are. They are, they are on, on the verge. verge. All right, now, so... And uh, they know it. They know it, and, of course, tonight will be Game 6. Again, no Chris Paul tonight for the Rockets, but if Eric Gordon shows up like he did in Game 5, oh, that may offset Chris that. Paul. Uh, I'm going to tell you Chris Paul, though, man. He, this guy, are you kidding me, Steve? I mean, this dude, he is always hurt, and it seems like... And people say, well, you can't control being hurt, but come on, this many times? And I'm going to tell you this. This goes to show you his, his conditioning is a question mark because what's basically happened is the Warriors' pace has worn out Chris Paul to the point to where his hamstring blew. I mean, you kidding me? This is this is not like, oh, okay, Chris Paul's hurt, and you know what? Now things are going to be a little bit easier for the Warriors. It's like, no, actually, the the Warriors dictated that based off of their pace. And unfortunately for Chris Paul, that's what he's got to work on. His to be in the amongst the greatest of the greatest, your your conditioning has to be elite. And his conditioning has been subpar, which goes to show you by these soft tissue non-contact injuries, and even to the point where he's fa- facing this up tempo, high speed Golden State Warriors team, he can't keep up. I mean, come on. We well, it's, stop it's not even. I mean, it's, look at he. I mean, he, he, missed, he's he missed, okay. He missed twenty-four games this year. He missed twenty-one games the year before. He's only had one year where he's played all eighty-two games. You're right. I mean, this is this has been a pattern over Chris Paul's yeah. career. But it may not matter if Eric Gordon shows up tonight. It could be a far more competitive game. The line on this game is like Warriors by twelve. Yeah. Of course, last yeah. night the line no. was Cavaliers by seven. A lot of people thought, well, that seems like a little extreme. They covered. You know why? Oh, that's right, because they have the best player on the Lebron. planet. We're going to talk about now Cleveland. Cleveland has forced the game seven on the road where the Celtics have yet to lose a game throughout the playoffs. Undefeated home. Can the Cavs pull it off? Can LeBron extend his career as a Cavalier? 
from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're going to break it down coming up next. Cleveland! Steve Hartman, Super Bowl champion, Brady Papinga with you on a fabulous Saturday. Hey, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance? means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. We have a Game 7 set tomorrow in Boston. Celtics. Without Kyrie Irving, who would have thought? Without Kyrie Irving, never had Gordon Hayward. They're in a Game 7 at home against a Cavaliers team that has been discombobulated almost from the get-go this year. Guys coming, guys going, a a whole rotation. I don't know if a lot of people could have projected that we would get to this point, a Game 7 in Boston. The stats on this game are really interesting, Brady, because, again, Boston is Mm 10-0 at home in these playoffs, this has been a yeah. home court series from the get-go. No question. But just going back to Game 6 for a moment here, you know, all along everyone keeps saying if LeBron is somehow going to get to an eighth straight NBA Finals, he's going to have to get help from somewhere. Somebody. Oh, but yeah. last night he proved, I don't need help. I mean, Kevin Love oh, goes down in the five minutes. Look at George Hill. I mean, they got a couple of guys stepped up. Jeff Green had a decent game and everything else. But he yeah, basically Nance came in there and did and, some yeah, soft yeah, things little off things. The bench. But I mean, forty-six yeah. points. I mean, the, 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 he has been. Look, he's. He, you, you can make an argument one way or the other, and, and I agree when people say no one's ever going to change their mind that believe Jordan was the greatest. And they're never going to change their mind. Nothing's going to change their mind. You know, same thing with the yeah, old Joe will. Montana. No, nothing's ever going to change just, their mind. Steve, I, we can I'm make an argument that we can I'm make the guy. argument that LeBron. Hey, if he I'm goes to, to another change. team, you're willing to change. Hold on a second. I told you already, Stevie, I told you already, All if right. LeBron is somehow able to lead this Cavaliers team yes. to a NBA championship, championship and does it in the way that he's doing it where he just takes over and scores 50 points and right. just becomes the difference maker and carries everybody on his shoulders, I mean, I, it's hard not to uh, to acknowledge that, and it, it's a harder debate. I mean, it's Yay. almost like I would – that would probably push me over the top and say I, I, I don't think that well, Jordan would be as great. I, I think that would eclipse Jordan. But I, really I, I, I think, one, I think one of the of reasons that you do this, though, level. Brady, is because, first of all, yeah. you are, you're an athlete. I mean, you're an athlete in the truest sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and true. you've continued that even your post-playing career. So when you just look at LeBron – Bigger, stronger, mm-hmm. faster. I mean, he's just, he just, there's no defense for him. None. And if he's no, knocking nothing. down his shots, forget it. I mean, he's, and when, you know, when he is, this is what I appreciate so much about LeBron is when you are sure. physically dominant, use it. Very few <laughs> exactly. players use, use it. Your tools. So a lot, yeah. of, a lot of people are hesitant sometimes to use it. He's not. When I need it, I know that I will overpower anybody they're going to put up against me, and I'm going to use that to my advantage. That's what I appreciate. A guy that recognizes that I've been blessed with physical gifts, I'm trying to make my physical gifts even better, and guess what? I'm going to use them to my advantage. That's the one thing I love about watching LeBron in this series, and so many times during the season when he's had to, he recognizes, look, no one's going to stop me one-on-one. And I'm going to take advantage of it. That's why I appreciate LeBron. But here's here's again some problems with his game this last week that mm-hmm. or yesterday, excuse me. That's it's not very sustainable. And that is the biggest shots he took and made were those three pointers. Sure. And to sit there and rely on those, he's done that in the past because he gets too tired. Like you talk about using his power, yeah, he's going to use it, but it unfortunately takes a tremendous yes, physical toll 
to sit there and battle physically with basically one on five because you know they're all going to be tilted towards him when you talk about Boston's defenders or when they're on the defensive side of the court. And so when you when you put that together by in the fourth quarter, he's got to settle for those three pointers. And if he's not able to make, I mean, I think he was what five of six yesterday from mm-hmm. three point land, five of seven, something like that. I mean, that's exceptional shooting. That's better than what anybody from the Rockets and the uh, the, the the Warriors have been doing this last series. And and you know that he's going to get a little bit better defense, you know, in the finals and things of that nature. But even in, in Boston, he gets better defense. You know, it seems that the Boston Celtics to kind of wake up when they're in home. And so I mean, to say that that's going to be the way it's going to be. I, He's not going to be able to do it that way. He's going to have to, like you said, just gut it up and say, if I end up fainting because of exhaustion, I'm going to have to do it. And just go to the hoop and grind these out. Because if he does that, sure, he's going to wear down, but that's their best chance. He can't continue to settle for those three-pointers and sort of give himself an out because it's just not – his team isn't isn't built that way. And so, again, I don't know if it's sustainable. And I almost – the way I'm seeing Game 7 with them is a very similar what I saw in Game 5 which was a LeBron James that by the middle, maybe it was in the beginning of the fourth, just didn't seem to have it. You could tell he was tired. He hadn't slept. He was worn out, and he was But that was gassed. game five. This is a game seven. That's true. And I mean, yeah, I mean literally, against, could you see LeBron suddenly like, just right, waving right. the flag like I'm out of gas in no. a game seven? No, no, because and again, and argue against myself, too, uh, he – the finals are a far more friendlier, player-friendlier schedule. It's like one game in every, what, five, right. six days? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I and I do believe he's been playing that this whole time, knowing what the schedule is going to be. And I do believe, and you're right, in game five, he knew, look, I'm not going to overexert myself now and then go home and you know and, and right. lose home court advantage or whatever. I'm going to just have to pace myself, go home, give it up, make some threes, and then game seven, I'm just going to have to lay my body on the barbed wire. You know, and if I if we come out victorious, great. I have a number of days to rest, and then that series in the finals is not going to be as taxing as these others. So, targets myself true, but again, he's not going to be able to sit back and just hit these amazing three pointers that even his own son did. You did you catch that on Twitter? Yeah, where he was he met his son in the hallway, and his son's like, Dad, how do you make those crazy shots? And he didn't even have an answer. He's like, Well, I just, just sort of throw them up there, and they go in. You know, but it's unbelievable. Well, I mean, you know, it's also interesting shots. how this is playing out right now. Look. Obviously, the the Cavalier fans are anxious right now, to say the least. I mean, is this it? Is this the last hurrah for LeBron James? But, I mean, even if they lose this Game 7 at Boston, and that's it. I mean, he, you can't say, even if you're the bitterest Cavalier fan, you can't say that he didn't give you everything. No I mean, he no came question. back There's to Cleveland. No he led you to three straight finals. He beat a 73-win Warrior team back 3-1 in a season when just everything seemed to go wrong for the Cavaliers. He carries you to a Game 7, giving every single ounce. I don't care how bitter you are if he were to leave. You can't say that he didn't lay it all out there for the city of Cleveland. I, I believe now he has built so much equity with the city of Cleveland, the state of Ohio, that if he, even if he went to, let's say, the Celtics right. or stayed in the East and went to any of those teams and he went back to Cleveland, they would give him a standing ovation. They would cheer him. They wouldn't boo him. And I do believe that will be the case for the rest of his career, regardless of what other teams he ends up playing for. Maybe, maybe he surprised us all and finishes his career in Cleveland. I don't know. He will but always still, be a Cavalier he's be first. revered there. Yes. No He will be revered there. Ah. And, uh yeah, I mean, there's no question that they that, and that fan base is one of those special fan bases too. And I and I just experienced it from the opposite side of being an opponent. Yep. And I was always extremely impressed with the Cleveland fan 
fan base mm. because the Browns were always so terrible, but they would show up in droves. They were supportive. It reminded me a lot of the Packer, Cowboy kind of fan base that are very loyal to their guys, loyal to their team. And so the fan base is such, they're not, they're not that ignorant. They're not that type of people that are going to all of a sudden throw him to the wayside because he's given it all up. And the, and the way he's done it, too, has been unbelievable. I don't know if it's been precedent. I mean, you, you, know, you know history better than me, Steve. Has there ever been a time that in the middle of the season, uh, a team basically like turns over half their roster because of whatever reason, and then they're all of a sudden in contention at the end of the year in the no, NBA Finals? Not, not this dramatic. Kind of I mean, there's been a, there's yeah. been a player added or two or something like that, but not this dramatic. Not like five Remember, players, the whole yeah. idea, you got rid of Kyrie Irving, you bring in Isaiah Thomas, he's banged up, he's injured, then when he comes back, he's ineffective. You flip yeah. the entire roster, uh, <laughs> and somehow because of one guy, one guy, his name yeah, is LeBron James, yeah. they are within one game of the NBA Finals. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Alex Marvez it's going to be joining us, and yeah, there was something that happened this week in the NFL, some some noise uh, that we're going to get to, uh, but right now, David Gascon. Yes, yes. Trying to stand up, my, my knees was on the ground, and... Uh, oh, we have so much to do there. We have... We have I don't know why people chair. are hesitant to talk about this. By the way, we're going to get to a poll uh, about uh, this decision by the NFL uh, they had some very interesting uh, things. Mm. Your, your, your co-host had a great tweet about it yesterday or the day before, too. So. Oh, do you agree with that? that? Did you agree oh, yeah, with that? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about that? I felt sort of in the minority. You wouldn't believe the backlash yeah. I was getting for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Saying well, that well, I was not a patriot and things yeah. of that nature. Oh, of course. Yeah. All right. Of well, course. we're going to get to all of that. All right. What do we I'm got, cool. Mr. Gascon? All right. So we got uh, a certain game six tonight in the NBA. And believe it or not, the Golden State Warriors are on the brink of elimination for the first time in a couple years. They're down the series Three games to two to the Houston Rockets, but according to head coach Steve Kerr, all is well. I feel great about where we are right now. And that may sound crazy. I feel it. I know exactly what I'm seeing out there. Just too many turnovers, too many reaches. And if we settle down a little bit, we're going to be in really good shape. Now, Steve, I know you're not the type, but just in case you want to dabble a little bit into the uh, the Vegas world, yes. the spread in this game is 12.5 points. It is 12.5. Well, you see, but last night's game was 7, oh. and a lot of people thought, no, Boston will make that close. Cleveland wins by 10. Would you be inclined to take what they call the chalk in this thing? I think I think it's a warrior blowout. <laughs> Sounds like you just drank a uh, cup of nice cold uh, beverage. Yeah, there, I, I, I'm going warrior blowout. Sixty nine percent of the public right now is on Golden State. Yeah, one smart. game in one game in Major League Baseball is underway. Braves and Red Sox. There's no score. Top of the second inning from Boston. Back to you guys. All right, thank you very much, David. Uh, by the way, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit GeiGo.com for a free rate quote. Yeah, the NFL finds a way to keep themselves in the news, right or wrong. Join us right now, Sirius XM NFL Radio. The ultimate NFL insider, Alex Marvez, joins us once again. It's been a heck of a week for the National Football League, Alex. I just want to get a, a one, one bit of an overview because some of the owners seem to indicate that they felt by establishing guidelines for the National Anthem that they could put this behind them and get back to the business of playing football. Were they really that naive to think by setting this policy that this story would go away? Um, I think some of them simply don't care. I'll be quite honest with you. And I think they're thinking that 
this is the, the way that they're going to ultimately solve this. I don't think that they looked at some of the ancillary things that go with this. For example, now, what is week one of the NFL season? It's not, you know, the Eagles defending their championship. It's not the return of Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill. No, it's all about who came out of the locker room and who didn't, right? If we even get that far, because there is talk that this might be unconstitutional, number one, uh, you know, as a rule. Number two, we have no rule. There's nothing that the NFLPA can even file a grievance on because nobody knows what this is all about. They're going to stick it in the game owner's manual, or I'm sorry, the game manual, game day manual. And what that is is like it says, okay, you got to have 15 headsets on the sideline if you're, you know, for the visiting team. You have to have the bench set up 30 minutes before the game. All of these other things. That's where the national anthem stuff is. That's what the league's probably going to say that they have the right to make this change as part of their game day procedures. But the NFLPA will file a grievance. We'll see if they're successful there. So this is what people are going to be talking about going toward the season. But you mentioned the owners, and I'm glad you mentioned them because I don't think this is necessarily what Roger Goodell wanted. But Roger Goodell is now, listen, this is all part of the grab back from Jerry Jones. And really what it came down to, too, in a lot of ways, and he was arguing about Roger and his contract. Basically, Jerry's looking at Roger like, look, you haven't done a great job as commissioner in a lot of different ways over the past few years. We're going to start taking some of the power back, and we as owners are going to be making decisions. And I really feel that that's the underlying story in all this, that Jerry Jones wants to have control, just like other owners, of how the players handle the anthem issue. But, Alex, I mean, they, they flat out blew it. I mean, why don't they just easily put a stop to this by just saying, hey, we just won't have you guys come out for the anthem. Moving on. Boom. Exactly. That's, I think, the easiest solution. It's one that I, when I was asked by some people, you know, in the ownership groups, like, what would you do? I said, well, I would, I would just go back to the 2009 policy, and ultimately it goes away because this still leaves everything open-ended. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, and I always take things out. Everything in my life is always like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I never look at things like, what's the best? What's the worst? So what's the worst? 53 guys stay in a locker room and, and, you know, to protest maybe a local police shooting? You know, you hate to think about something like that happening, but it's not far-fetched. And so 53 guys stay in the locker room while the visiting team is out there? Huh? What? You know what I mean? Things like this. Mm-hmm. You know, look. You know, there can be protests for anything if there's a war that starts. And there was a player, by the way, who during the uh, during the Vietnam War, you know, ultimately got you know basically you know out of the league because he had mm-hmm. taken an anti-war stance during this whole thing. Well, are you going to see people do that as well? I mean, now you just open things up for so much other stuff, right? That that can happen rather than like you say, Brady, which I think was the right way to do it. Just just don't have the players come out. Period. No one even noticed. I mean, really, like until 2009, when the NFL thought, okay, wow, well, we can wrap ourselves in the flag even more and get the players out there, and it's a great spectacle. And oh, by the way, you know, can you please keep giving us the money for those U.S. Marine commercials and the Coast Guard and Air Force and all that? You know, that type of stuff. You know, we'll get our guys out there and and we'll make sure that everyone stands at attention and all this. And well, it's certainly gone in a different direction. Well, it certainly has. Uh, Let's take a flip of everybody staying in the locker room. If the NFL PA and they got to be frustrated right now because they always seem to be the the problem is that they're never all together and you know Alex I was there in 1987 PR guy for the LA Raiders during the replacement games and you know it just fell apart at the seams because guys were crossing the line it never really took root the NFL's really took control of the situation how about this scenario instead of everyone staying in the locker room you have everybody taking the field and everybody takes a knee all the teams, every single player in the NFL takes a knee in the uh, national anthem to start every mm. NFL game. Now what do you do? 
Well, right. I mean, see, but it, it also puts players in an uncomfortable spot. There may be some that simply don't want to go down that road. Even though you're talking about standing in unity with your teammates in the NFLPA, they may have other issues in their lives where they say, look, not even issues, they just may have other feelings where, hey, I want to stand for the flag and this is important to me and I think that but you know, I'm not going to But if everybody does it, Alex... But I know, I mean, but not everyone's going to do it. Just but like I not everyone but stayed if behind you did get a, that kind of unity where you literally got every single player in the NFL to take a knee on opening day. What would the NFL do? Well, nothing. There, there's not much they're going to do. They're going to find teams. I mean, what are owners going to do? Are they going to suspend top players? Of course, I get that. But it's not going to be that way. Look, the NFLPA, and you mentioned it, their big thing right now is assembling enough of a war chest of, of player salaries you know, that would go toward future use for an extended lockout during 2021. That's really what their big thing is, because they couldn't keep it together as a group at the end of the, uh, the 2011 lockout because guys started to run out of money, and they just realized, hey, we, we don't have enough to pay enough guys here. I mean, that's a huge part of why the NFLPA accepted the deal that the NFL offered. Its membership would have splintered. In this case, they're trying to save up enough money so that players that, if they have to miss a season, they're still going to get compensated for that season. So, you know, that's, you know, that's really a lot of what this is going to come down to, because I don't know how the NFLPA has any other means to, to make any change in the NFL. The league didn't even bother talking to them about this, what they were going to be doing, you know, asking them for input as to, okay, do we have a final decision on this sort of thing? I mean, again, it just shows how the individual owners, you know, both feel about this. And, you know, it's funny, too, the league threw $90 million at this thing, $3 million a team, roughly, social initiatives, platforms, et cetera, no one's even talking about it. I mean, by the way, too, did any of you find anyone, anywhere, any written column, any TV commentary, anything that says that this was a good idea and the NFL handled this properly? I- I'm still searching. Well, no. I'm with you. Well, I, but he, <laughs> well, can, can I take this, I, jump in for a second here, Brady, because this is the yeah. one thing that really gets to me. We talk about the fact that this is uh, against the Constitution. I mean, it's an unlawful act, and yet the NBA... The NBA has had a policy specific about not kneeling. I, I lost my mind this week with Steve Kerr. When, when Steve Kerr was lashing out the NFL, and I'm thinking, wait a second. Last, this, this season, before the season began, the NBA has already got a non-kneeling rule in place, and every <laughs> NBA player adhered to it. Now, you can lock arms. There's a lot of different ways to do this. But how come it's okay that the NBA has that rule? All the NFL is doing is essentially adopting the rule that's already law in the NBA. Explain to me the difference here, please. Anybody? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not an NBA writer, but I can tell you this, <laughs> at least not anymore. I did cover the Miami Heat for a season back in another lifetime. But my point is that, you know, you had guys that, that had their own form of social protest wearing shirts, you know, during the national anthem. Right. You know, whether, whether it was a police shooting, things like this. And it went on. You know, the players, though, they see the NBA worked in lockstep with the Players Association to come to an agreement that they would stand for, the, for this rule. And the Players Association signed off. And I think that they realized, hey, this may hurt us financially. We don't want to draw this type of attention to ourselves by taking a knee, but we can still take a social stand through other ways. And, you know, then like through the T-shirts, things like that. And it's just it's, they're different leagues. You know, honestly, too, I think the fan base a little bit different maybe as well as far as who's watching the NBA compared to who's watching the NFL. And I just, you know, remember, too, the NBA never wrapped themselves in the flag 
like the NFL did. The NFL's been doing this for, I mean, really, you go back to the first USO tours of the 1960s, you look at how the NFL and their, and their team owners tried to get their own players out of the Vietnam War through different ways, you know, leaning on different, you know, people as far as the drafts go and things like this. I mean, I'm, I'm really well steeped in the history of all this. And, you know, just because the league, you know, again, they, and they reap a lot of benefits uh, from having football as America's sport and, you know, the close ties to the military, et cetera. So when you start getting kneeling and what people interpret as disrespect to the flag, it definitely ruffles a lot of feathers. And, you know, the amazing part about all this is, first, there's eight guys, basically, who are left at the end of the season doing some form of anthem protest. So you've got that going on right now. And it doesn't really matter with the NFL because they're still going to be played like puppets, you know, by the Trump administration because anytime they want to rile up their base, they're going to talk about those guys who stayed in the locker room or somebody who was on the field and raised a fist or whatever it is, and it's going to continue. I mean, the NFL, and, and I'm Brady, I'm so with you on this, could have nipped this whole thing in the bud. The players don't come out yeah. for the anthem. They stay in the back. That's it. Instead, they chose another direction. Well, I'm going to ask you a question there, Alex, that's not anything to do with this national anthem stuff, but it actually is football. And mm. that is, huh. in the practices so far, who have you heard that's legitimately making some noise from the rookie class in these OTAs? Rookie class? Well, we're still having uh, Baker Mayfield try to get a snap from center. You know, that's... Uh, <laughs> That's a little bit shaky right there. I mean, well, really, I mean, really, because that's that's where he's at. You know, three interceptions this week uh, during the during the OTAs. I mean, that's scary. We don't know. We can't judge offensive linemen, right? We can't judge no. defensive linemen. I mean, you know, some guys look the part. Saquon Barkley looks the part. It's just it's a little early with guys just running around right now. Does that make sense? I don't want to mislead oh, yeah. anyone oh, yeah. as to where anyone is particularly at at this point because mistakes are going to be made, uh, you know, but there's nobody sure. that to me is like saying like, wow, this guy is immediately ready to get out there and, and is good to go. So, I, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch is a guy that everyone's excited about. And, you know, with Sean Lee not practicing, you know, in the OTAs because they're trying to keep him healthy, you know, even that, he's coaching from the sidelines, and that's like his pet project right now is to get him going. So that's really a guy, you know, to watch Leighton Van Der Esch. I mean, he has the potential, in my opinion, in this style of defense. It's one where Brian Erlacher excelled with this guy's size and speed and there's a long way to go before being compared to the Pro Football Hall of Famer. But I tell you, that's a guy to really keep an eye on for the Dallas Cowboys this year. Just for the record, we stand uh, when Alex is on the show. I just, I, just, I just want to make that clear. I know we're on the radio. You don't see us. But we stand oh, man, you're funny. Uh, while Alex is on the show. Alex, we always appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thanks, gentlemen. Be good. All right. Uh, Sirius XM NFL Thanks, Alex. Radio's Alex Marvez. All right. We're here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. I want to stay with the Steve Kerr situation. The hypocrisy uh, of Steve Kerr is so <laughs> overwhelming. And I'm thinking to myself, why isn't he more focused on how to coach his team down the stretch than he the is politics. about his hatred for this president <laughs> And his total disregard oh, of what the NBA has in place for their players will discuss coming up next. Steve Harbin, Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga. Great news. Quick way for you to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Steve Kerr is not your normal uh, professional coach. And that's because of his background. And it's really unimaginable what happened to the Kerr family back in the day. Uh, Steve Kerr's father was the president of American University of Beirut. Uh, Steve was born in Beirut uh, and raised essentially in the Middle East, where his father was uh, very much involved in politics there. And when Steve Kerr was 18 years old, his father was murdered, shot twice in the back of the head in the hallway in front of his office uh, by members of uh, what is now Hezbollah, uh, the Islamic mm. Jihad. 
So his father was executed. Executed. He was 18 years old at the time. He was basically entering college when his father was executed. So to say that that would have an effect on the rest of your life would be an understatement, it would seem. you know. And, and, and so Steve Kerr finds himself, and he's been a very vocal opponent of the president, where he is feeling more and more free to talk in terms of politics. You know, I, I saw this poll about Oprah Winfrey. Remember after she made her speech at the uh, Golden Globes and everyone's like, yeah. oh, let's, let's get Oprah. It was a really interesting poll yeah, because yeah. Oprah, and Oprah is a very, very smart woman. So there's polls that say favorable to unfavorable. Oprah is 52 to 23. 52% favorable, only 23% unfavorable. Everyone else okay. is on the fence. But the very same poll, they asked her, should she run for president? 69% said no. Only 21% said <laughs> yes. And she knows that there's a difference between being popular and there's a difference between polarizing people. And Steve mm. Kerr is not doing a good service for the NBA because it didn't take long after his comments about, well, the NFL's caving into the president's demands and all this were, and, and this idea of, of and that, I mean, everybody suddenly said, uh, oh, hold on here, Steve. <laughs> Kneeling's not allowed in the NBA. I mean, are you basically, I mean, if, if, if Kevin Durant, if your team decided at the NBA finals to suddenly take a knee during the anthem, is that what you're saying? I mean, you, you can't, you're trying to rewrite what's happening here. You can't be critical of the NFL incorporating a rule that is firmly in place in the M- NBA and has been yeah, adhered yeah. to by every single NBA player. But this, this is, this is that slippery slope, Brady, where we talk about mixing politics and Kirk can't help himself. He just he's he's gone yeah, off the deep end, and 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 he's for blinded him to be, by his own politic political but you know to standing be because talking you're right, about I mean, this in the midst of the conference himself. finals and getting it wasn't just like some throwaway. Oh no, he got into detail about all this yeah, kind of stuff. No question. If I I'm telling you, if I'm at in my silver right now, I'm like you know Steve. Look, I understand there's a lot of pat, back off, man. Back off. You know, we, we haven't had well, he's any away his, controversy. But, but Stevie's taking away his, his First Amendment right. Oh, oh my gosh, man. he's telling him what to say to the media, what not to oh. say. Are you kidding me? That's what's blowing me away about this whole uproar, about this uh, whole national anthem thing about the NFL. And I tweeted about this. I mentioned it in the, the break there with, with uh, Gascon. And that is, th- at the end of the day, it's like the NFL has, for years, controlled what players wear or not during games. They have a uniform policy. Uh, for a number of teams, the Patriots is probably the most known. They will tell you verbatim what to say to the media. So if the media comes up to you and says, hey, man, we think about this game coming up, you know, you, I know, like the Steelers. Man, I know you guys had a heated rivalry with them. Bill Belichick has already told his players, this is what we're going to say. Basically saying, you are my robots. I am going to tell you and feed you. You cannot share your own opinion or else you will be fired or cut. Yeah, okay. And then lastly, as we all know, this whole domestic violence thing and other kind of situations swirling around outside of the NFL facilities. Yeah, the NFL has basically implemented a quasi-conduct policy. Uh, I think they actually call it that, a conduct policy, which basically is like a code that you have to live by outside of the facility or you're no longer allowed to go back in. And all of a sudden, you're going to sit there and whine if you're able to kneel or stand. What about these other issues that the NFL supposedly is imposing on you illegally, unconstitutionally? Are you kidding me? 
This is an. I mean, this is so absurd. It's unbelievable. You got Steve Kerr. I mean, people are losing their minds. Steve Kerr is contradicting himself. Other people are crying about, well, they should let him kneel. They should let him say, well, they should let him talk to the media. They should let him wear whatever they flip and want on game day. And then let's see what happens. Okay, let's see if it's the product that you like to watch. Okay? <laughs> I mean, that's why this is just blowing my mind because it's blowing everybody else's mind. Nobody can figure out which way's up and which way's down. Well, and the bottom line is everyone has been fo- to focus on the owners doing what they want. But let's take a different angle. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Let's take it from the player's perspective. What actually is the best move for them to make? Plus, we're going to have an update on Kevin Love coming up next. Rolling on this Saturday, Hartman and Papinga with you. Coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, update on Kevin Love. Again, he's been placed on concussion protocol. That does not mean mm. he's officially out of Game 7, although I don't understand how that will actually play out. I mean, if if the day before the game he's on league concussion protocol, uh, he doesn't have a lot of time to clear his head, so to speak. No. No, I mean, I, I would I would almost say that he is going to be out. If I was the Cavaliers and also the Celtics, I'd expect him not to be there. I mean, because you're in the concussion protocol. I mean, game seven Sunday, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's tomorrow. Okay, so. we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I don't I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's like, as long as they don't consider him out, I guess he could still be in, but I wouldn't expect it. Jeff Green, by the way, played very well uh, replacing him. Uh, again, as long as there's one guy on the court, (laughs) I guess we know the Cavaliers have a shot. Can't wait. Tomorrow, game seven. Of course, game six tonight. Warriors trying to stay alive in their series against the Rockets. Rockets without Chris Paul. All right. I want to, you know, this, this whole week, and I know we're talking a lot about this, but this is, this is a big subject matter for the NFL moving on. And the reason you and I talk so much NFL is that the NFL dwarfs every other sport. You can take the combined (laughs) audience of every other sport and it doesn't add up. Okay. That's where Mm. the NFL stands, but it's not just the game itself. It's also what it means to television networks, uh, business in general, obviously now a growing gambling industry, uh, with the ruling by the Supreme court here, here's the one thing that I would try to sit down as an arbitrator in looking at the players and having to understand this whole thing, the players lash out at the owners about the fact that they're only caring about their bottom line. In other words, the, the reason they're doing this is it's about so the owners are, right. are only caring about their bottom line. Now, no, before we start true. saying I'm taking one side or the other, let, let's just explain this again, what the owners have done. All right. Uh, by the way, just an update. Yahoo is now reporting that Kevin Love is officially out of Game 7. All right. So Kevin Love will not be playing tomorrow, uh, which is expected. All right. So, again, let, let's trace how this has all played out from a year okay. ago. So remember, at the start of last season, the noise about the anthem, it pretty much died down. There was interest about Colin Kaepernick. Was a team going to sign him? That was sure. still in limbo until the president in September – in front of these partisans in Jeez. Alabama made the comment about get the SOBs up or you're fired, fired. And, of course, this immediately fanned the flame. The NFL's initial response was to let the players continue to do what they were doing. And they also listened to the players about, look, we're going to set money aside 
to allow you to advance your costs. So they they said, look, we're gonna we're gonna distribute money. Some people said it was a little short, but they, they made the effort. Now sure. the NFL owners are making a rule, and they're doing it, yes, because of the television situation. But let's let's put it this way: you and I, and just about. of everybody out there, 100% of those that are getting a paycheck from someone else, they have certain rules that you have to live by while at work, but your own time is your own time. In other words, we have certain rules here that we adhere to as employees of Fox Sports Radio, but they're not interfering what we do on the outside. So if you're an owner, you say, look, understand this. If you want to go out and advance your cause on your own time, feel free. We have no yeah. say in that. But when you are at the game, that's our time. You are yeah. our employee. These are the rules. And if you don't adhere to the rules, then you're in violation of the rules. I, I really have a hard time understanding why this is so difficult to understand when the rest of us get it. At work, we have to live by the rules that our employers set down for us. But on our own time, we can do as we please. The NFL is not saying that players can't go and protest and do whatever they want to do on their own time. But when you're on our time, these are the rules. Why is this so difficult? Well, it's so difficult because it's really not about this. It really is about a deeper issue of control. And it also is about a deeper issue of ignorance. The NFLPA has been ignorant for ever since, oh man, Gene Upshaw passed away. Mm-hmm. It has been an absolute disaster. And and I thought Alex Marvez hit the nail right on our head, right on the head when we interviewed him when he was saying, you know, in the NBA and we were talking NFL versus NBA. NFL does not walk in lockstep when you talk to the owners and the players. And that's because you have the owners that are these businessmen, they're savvy, they're educated, and they do not connect with the ignorant overall, I would say, ignorant NFL player. And that's because we are not, we weren't informed. And, and I, I was a part of that group. We were not, and, and the best example I give to people is, is I remember the NFLPA sent us this PowerPoint of all these supposed points that we had negotiated and agreed upon. And one was, it was a small detail, but it was it was ultimately a microcosm of the bigger fit picture. And it was it was the bye week. And they said, you're going to have like, I think it was like five days. It said on this, this slideshow, you're going to have five days in a row off, like where the teams can't have you in. I was like, oh, cool, you know? And I was playing for the Rams and I wasn't living with my family. I was already starting to figure out, you know, what my vacation time was going to be at the, that during that time and flights and things of that nature. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, the head coach, lays down the, the team schedule for the year. And he looks, I'm looking at the bye week and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like missing a day. I was like, he, he doesn't realize that we get actually five days off. And then all of a sudden, I come to find out that that whole slideshow that was sent to me was wrong, and that we actually get four days off or whatever. It was one day less than what we were told. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And I go, mm. that's messed up. Imagine everything else that was messed up, and it was. It it was messed up with how much power Roger Goodell had. It was messed up with the, the how much money the NFL owners took away from the players, the billion dollars right off the table. And so this is a deep issue here. And the issue is, is you because Steve, this you're so right. If if somebody could sit down with the players and say, guys, whoa, 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 pull back the reins here. It's not only are we worried about what the NFL 
owners are making. Do you guys not realize that our salary cap is a function of what they make? Thank so you. in theory, if they don't make anything, we don't make anything either. So let's try to all work together here because we're really all wanting the same thing. That hasn't been said. If you notice, Demore Smith, the head of the head of the NFLPA, yeah, he pulled the card of the owners are just doing this because they want to impose control over us. I mean, what an awesome opportunity for, I mean, Gene Upshaw was never like that. He was a guy that would get in there and just cut to the chase and say, guys, this is what's happening. Boom. And if you couldn't accept it, then it's like, whoa, you're going to get smacked in the face with a thousand pounds of truth. And if you can't handle it, then I guess you're just not going to handle it. And that's not Demore Smith. What Demore Smith's message to the NFL player should have been was simply this. Guys, we need to look at this deeper and we need to talk this over with the NFL Players Association representatives through each team because this is about us. And he didn't do that. He totally lost the opportunity. And so this is this is a deeper issue, and it's an issue of that the, right now the NFL players are, are in a state of ignorance, and it has to do with leadership, and it has to do with a lack of a, a communication, and unfortunately, until they get fixed, they're going to continue to do things that are working in their own detriment, and then it's also going to work to the overall NFL's detriment, but mostly to their own detriment that they're not even knowing they're doing, and it's, it's unbelievable it's happening this way. Well, and it also is going to create houses divided. I mean, when I when oh, yeah. I hear the yeah. chairman of the Jets, all right, so this is the latest Johnson. This is Christopher Johnson. As you know, his right. brother right. Woody was appointed <laughs> as ambassador to the U.K. by yeah. President Trump. So he's the de facto CEO right now of the Jets, and he comes out immediately saying, I will pay any fine for my players. But let's go beyond that. You're a coach. You're a general manager. You're an owner. You're in a position of authority right now, and you got a locker room divided. Believe me, if you've got guys that are sitting in the locker room while other guys are walking out in the field, how are you going to handle that situation? I mean, you are creating such a toxic environment, and now you're putting it back in in the team's hands. In fact, the NFL was so vague in this, they basically said, we're going to let the teams handle this. What do you mean that you're going to let the teams handle this? How are they going to handle this if the NFL is going to come down? And by the way, they haven't come up to any specifics of exactly what the penalties will be. Some people thought they might be a 15-yard penalty, which, of course, would be offset if both teams have guys taking a knee. Exactly, um, which means nothing. So, and, but can you imagine if you're a coach right now? And sitting there going, where do I go? I mean, how well, how I mean, am I going? If I'm if my owner is sitting yeah. there locking arms with the guys that are sitting in the locker room, what am I going to do when those players are upset about the guys that are on the field? How am I going to handle that situation? Oh, it's simple. I mean, if it was me, I, you got to put your job on the line because your job's already on the line with your team divided. And what that means is, is you're going to have to say, look, I know what the owner said, but the owner doesn't coach this football team, okay? This is what's going to be. And I'll tell you what, you're not going to see the Patriots having any issues with this. You're not going to see a lot of teams that actually have very sound cultures. You know, I would even say the Packers would even be the one, a a team that you're not going to see issues with. Mike McCarthy is going to do a nice job immediately, and he's not going to do it with the blessing of the upper management or the CEO or anybody. He's going to do it himself because of principle. And what he's going to do is he's going to say, this is what we're going to do as a team. And if you don't want to do that, you're not going to play. 
So it's that simple. And I mean, that's and that's lit, written in all these coaches' contracts. Is they're the ones? Mo- no, all of them are the ones that are going to decide who plays and who doesn't play. And if you end up winning, obviously you're you're able to leverage that and to to go to the owner and say, hey man, I'm or anybody. If you want to fire me, I'll go somewhere else. And you know, we've seen t- teams unjustifiably fire coaches. Tony Dungy is one of uh, many of those kind of guys back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So point is, is that the teams will be able to do it. In terms of the internally and and also the leaders on the team are going to have to step up and they're going to have to establish what they're going to do. And they're going to have to establish it to where it gives them the best chance to win. Because you're right. I mean, if you're kneeling down and doing all this crazy stuff, not only does it become distraction, but then you cost your team potentially 15 yards. And, again, the decisive factor. I mean, we heard in the commercial break where I believe uh, Drew Brees was quoted on the Gores is talking about how he also believes there needs to be more unity amongst the team so there shouldn't be guys kneeling guys standing and so i mean they're gonna handle it and but the, the teams that d- or have these kind of cultures that are sort of like right now like uh not very strong it's kind of weak and wavering yeah you're gonna see a bunch of craziness there but these other teams that have these stable cultures i use the patriots the packers as examples that i'd say the steelers would fit into this model too is they're going to be fine. They'll, they'll be able to handle it. But the owners aren't making it easy on them. No question. I mean, they've made this such a – it's such a circus right now. And I, you know what? I, and people think – and I, and, so, and sometimes, Steve, I think they're so dumb. And, man, they're just out of touch. But in another part of me almost thinks this is exactly what they wanted. They want us talking about them. They want us talking – especially in the offseason. You know, they want us talking because guess what it does? It's bringing the attention back to their brand. And it just – if you bring the more attention you bring back to the brand, the more money they're going to make. And so maybe I'm not giving them enough credit this was all by design to make this that's why they're so vague to make this controversy in a time to where the nfl news wire is somewhat more focused on the otas of guys playing football not even in football pads so you give it something a little bit more juice you know a little bit boost right now where you come out with something controversial like this so maybe maybe it was by design that they made this out to be such a circus all right uh we're in the geico fox sports radio studios there seems to be now an epidemic of the political world infiltrating the sports world. And we got a prime example coming out of the state of California. Wait till you hear this coming up <laughs> next. Wait. Steve Hartman, Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga with you on this beautiful Saturday. Hey, great news. Quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on car insurance. John Wooden. John Wooden, the yeah. legendary UCLA the basketball coach who won 10 NCAA championships. I mean, mm-hmm. you, there's a lot of way to measure success, but I think winning championships is a pretty good effective way for coaches. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty so good. in his final season at UCLA, a state university, mm-hmm. uh, the year that he won his 10th NCAA title in 12 years, his final year, John Wooden's salary that year was $40,500, which – Calculated today would be about a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. All right. So is that Benny, what we know though? Because I mean, did he get bonuses or that you know, was, anything that, that was, wasn't there, considered no bonus. a salary? No, that was it. That's all he got. You sure? Yeah, you he didn't get lived, any kind of endorsement. He lived in a very like modest apartment and everything else. So he so okay. forty thousand five hundred dollars, and then uh, but to calculate to that would be about a hundred eighty thousand dollars. So apparently, California lawmakers are saying, all right, if John Wooden. The greatest of all time was making the equivalent of what would today be about $180,000. We need to put a ceiling on non-faculty members at $200,000 for all the UCs and Cal States in the state of California. 
Yes, indeed. California lawmakers are proposing that UCLA, UC Berkeley, all the UCs, the Cal State, San Diego State, San Jose, wherever, now will have a ceiling on any coach for their salary, base salary, of $200,000. Okay? Well, it's so easy to get around this, though. I mean, that's what's so funny. I don't get what they're trying to accomplish. Are there other outside oh, by of the, way, the faculty that, but, but also people being, making a ton of money that's, like, kind of sapping the well, university well, of well, hold their, on a second. you know, it's even the, better than the that. Revenue generating ability or what? Well, but here Go it's ahead. even better than that because what they're saying, these are non faculty members. So here's mm-hmm. this the, in other words, faculty can make more than that, and they do. They make considerably really? more than two hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, the you know, the un- interesting thing how you could get around this in a in a heartbeat is simple. You just, uh, you just have the faculty. Them, well, you, exactly. You could say, Well, we're gonna teach a one day a month. You know why basketball is so great, class for a, a, for exactly. five minutes, and you are technically oh, a faculty member. But this this really gets back to uh, a certain faction of pol- politicians that are desperate to sort of put sports in their place, despite the fact wow. that the athletic programs are paying for everything, and it was all this money <laughs> exactly. that's pouring into these universities right now, and this is across the board. All this money is pouring in. The vast majority of it is coming in via the athletic department and the academics. Yep are getting tired of it, I guess. I'm not quite sure that we need to be <laughs> paid like more than any in. of these coaches because we're more important. <laughs> you're not more important. You know why they get paid more? Because they're bringing the money in. When you're exactly. the one generating the money, you get paid more. This is this this political crap needs to end now. It needs well, to end. the thing is, though, Steve, is you know that I mean, even if like let's say this went into effect, yes. I mean, there's 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 the way that you could hire the coach as a faculty member to get around it, and then I mean, as long as there's no language that you can't pay him bonuses or other things, sure. you know that the, they just say, okay, we're going to tap your salary at two hundred thousand. Here you go, and then we're going to pay you. And you know, like at BYU, they have this legacy. I forget there's an exact name for it that goes up and beyond what the salary is. They call it like the la- oh, they call it the legacy fund. So you can donate into that, and that will then go to they, – they say it distributes to the athletic department, which really means it just – you know it, it basically subsidizes the head football coach's salary if what he's making. And that's all you do is you, you call it some fund that would come in for the boosters, and they'd pay a market value. So it's I, I don't get their end game. Maybe it's, again, kind of a symbolic it, kind exactly. of way to attack this sports. This is the academics trying to say we are more important – than the football coach. We are more important than the basketball coach. That's what this all comes down to. When you when you look at this when you look at this panel of these California yeah. legislators, I mean you just look at them and you're like <laughs> Come so there's on, nobody just, that played sports, is what you're telling me? There's no yeah, athletes yeah, on they, that panel? I am telling you, <laughs> I'm just you asking, look at these know. faces, the men and women on that board, and you're just like this this Get, get out, okay? You, I'll tell you what you, I'll tell you what you want to hear. You want to do this? Here's what you do. You then cut off all funding that comes from the television contracts and there that. You go. All you cut that all off and see how how your life is. 
Tell you what, you'll all be taking pay cuts real quick. You know, it's, it's, it goes. <laughs> exactly. remember, how, remember how people were so critical of Tiger Woods? Remember Tiger yeah. Woods and all this criticism? Oh, yeah. He's getting all the attention. That died down quickly when they realized he's bringing so much more money into the sport. Yeah. And even if he's winning the tournaments, we're making more finishing second and third than we used to get when we're winning. So this is working yeah. for us. And finally, the golfers got it. And they're like, we love you, Tiger. Keep it going, man. Um, this but is again, the same thing the academics have to realize, man. You better be rooting for your athletic teams, not trying to work against them. Yeah, and it's it, you know what's funny is both of this situation and also the situation with the new anthem protest uh, rules, mm-hmm. uh, the, the ones that are opposing it, and at least opposing the NFL's ability to impose that rule. It's 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 the same vein, and it's it's ignorance. It's ignorance of okay, yeah, politics and you know free speech and all those things are important. But at the same time, it's like you got to look at the business end of things. You got to look at, okay, revenue coming in and, and, and what's going to affect that revenue. And you got to ask yourself, am I okay in theory giving up? Because in their minds, they, a lot of these politicians, I, I look at it as they are very sold on the fact that, yes, their First Amendment right of free speech is being infringed upon. They look at it that way. And the question they have to ask themselves is, is it okay for that to happen, that they continue to make the money that they're making in the case of these NFL players or, and make more as the, the game continues to grow? And in these, in these politicians that are proposing this, this new law, are, are they going to continue to maintain their same salaries? They also see some up, upward swing and, and giving up a little something to, to infringe upon, between quotations, their rights. And I, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, and, and like you said, if it really is a play of money, then it's absolute ignorance. And it's almost it's not a play of money in the NFL, but it is in the sense that they all want to blame it on the owners that it's them trying to protect their bottom dollar when in fact it's like they're actually trying to protect everybody's bottom yes. dollar. And it, again, it comes down to this ignorance level of really what does this all mean on the big picture, and does it really infringe upon your First Amendment right enough to where you're going to make a move? I mean, it's just it's a fascinating thing to where facts, if spun in a certain way, or not, are they're not known about, can really just turn things upside down to where you don't know, like I said, you don't know what's up. You don't know what's down. You don't know where to go. I mean, and that's what it seems like. Cause to me, if, if your ultimate goal is to make academics, let's say more important, and I feel like it's a second, you know, seed or, uh, you know, on the back burner compared to athletics, then you know what? Maybe you go in, and when you're making all that money, you go and you you try to to take some of that and funnel it into academics, which it seems like it is. I mean, I go to some of these universities, and it seems like a building that was remodeled three years ago is all of a sudden up for remodel again. And I'm like, what yeah. the heck happened? Oh, I just I, I, don't know I was, to do I was at the San Diego State campus the other day. The They're a Cal State, State right? Game. Yeah. I was at San Diego yeah. State campus. I was at at the beautiful Tony Gwynn Stadium out there. Uh, yeah. And this is a Cal State, all right? This is a state university in California. The buildings are going up everywhere. Yeah. Where, where's all this money? I UCLA. Know. I see that these are. I'm not talking about private, you know, like a USC Pepper. These are no, private yeah, yeah, universities. Yeah. I'm talking about state universities, state, state yes. funded universities, and buildings are going up everywhere. Now, how's where's all this money coming from? I'll tell you where it's coming from. Oh, yeah. It's coming from these coming television networks that are connected to the athletic departments. Exactly. So, I mean, this is it. Just drives me nuts. But there's just there's this hatred, this competition embrace it embrace it it's working for you it's going to help because yeah because you're you're going to bite your own hand that's the thing is the reality is like you you think you're taking somebody else out you're only really taking your your own self out you know and that's again it's this lack of information that just i i don't i don't know why there's such a disconnect outside of the emotional aspect of they're infringing upon my first amendment right i should be able to say and do whatever i want or in this case they're infringing upon what these universities are meant to do and that is to educate sports don't educate sports or you go out and you have fun you throw a ball around you throw through a hoop and there you 
go. There's no education there. They, they, these are the people that were bothered in high school where the athletes ran the school, and it's like they're running our lives. We got to God, we got to stop athletes running our lives. They ran the school in high school. They're still running our lives as adults. All right, we're in the Guy Go oh, Fox man. Sports Radio Studios. All right, LeBron James, is he going to be a Laker? We're going to tell you about the big major roadblock that could prevent it. But first, let's bring on David Gascon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're you're an athlete, David. I mean, you, you ruled your high school, right? I did, but my high school doesn't count. <laughs> my graduating class, guys, yeah. was 84 people. All right. So, but no you were. Yeah, did you I, play eight-man football? No, I played 11. I was in Division 11 okay, wow. of the CIF here in, in Southern California. But you control those other wow. 83 seniors. I did. I kicked everyone's ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe except for like one or two. All right. All right. But, I mean, you know, oh, you know what we're talking about. I mean, right now, this is, these are the, these are the people that are still bent out of shape about athletes running the school in high school, and now they, they, they're like, it, it never ends. Well, it, it's it's unfortunate, and you, you talk about certain things that happen, especially here in, like, Southern California. Yeah. It is wild to see how much these high school kids can dictate, uh, and also the programs. I mean, you're looking at, like, modern day St. Mm-hmm. John Bosco. Huge and, money. And for people that don't know, like, the athletic programs bring in some good money, but the head coaches make an insane amount of money. Yeah. It's just wild that it's like... These guys are high school football coaches. They're not even teachers, half of them. I tell you what, though, they're putting money in the academics' pockets as well. It's true. they got to recognize that. They do. Right. They do. Well, I'll say this much, especially in the city of San Pedro. Mostly it's it's the Pedro guys, mm-hmm. then Peninsula, and, you know, obviously Palos Verdes. So you get some of those those areas where they get some deep pockets, like the one Steve Hartman. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyways, anyways, we'll uh, we'll get things going in the NBA. Got a game six tonight. Uh, up at Oracle Arena, Golden State Warriors looking to avoid elimination. They are 12.5-point favorites over the Houston Rockets. A large reason for this line is there's no Chris Paul for Houston. Here's Clay Thompson. Not time to panic. We're pressed and have been in worse, believe it or not. And we can rely on our on our experience. But um, I saw some very encouraging things tonight. We had too many turnovers in the start of the game. But these last two games, you're right there, able to win them. So... Let's go back and regroup at home and just think about that game, And but it's far from over. Yeah, they dominated nearly every stat on the Game 4 or Game 5 stat column, but they still have failed to come up with a W. Uh, again, tip-off time is at 9 o'clock Eastern. Meanwhile, in Major League Baseball, Braves lead the Red Sox in Boston 3-2. Dansby Swanson has a two-run shot in this one, his third of the season. Nick Markakis is 2-for-2 two two with a run scored. And about 90 minutes from now, Rangers and Royals will be on FS1. And also in NASCAR news, Brad Kozlowski captures the pole at the Alsco 300 with a lap time of just under 185 miles per hour. Steve, have you ever driven a NASCAR? I have not driven a NASCAR. Well, you know, obviously I am a licensed race car driver from my experience at the Long Beach Grand Prix I Celebrity tell. Race. The car and, that you drive right now is like a Cracker Jack box uh, Don't be knocking my smart car. <laughs> it's like a little Let go-kart. Let me tell you, yeah. my, it is a go-kart. I will blow by whatever you're driving in a heartbeat. People are always stunned as I blow by them in my smart car. <laughs> by the way, it's me and Ocho Cinco. Oh, you know, he man. drives that smart car as well. The former Ocho Cinco, now bad, back to Chad Johnson. All right, David, thank you so much. Uh, coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, 50 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 
Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. So Kevin Love will not be playing Game 7 for the Cavs tomorrow in Boston. The Celtics are 10-0. By the way, that already ties the NBA playoff record for most consecutive wins in one season at home. So if the Cavs and LeBron can't get it done tomorrow, the season is over and all speculation immediately will be focused on where does LeBron go? Does he stay in Cleveland? He goes to Philly. Does he go to Houston? Pull a deal with the Golden State Warriors, San Antonio, Boston, or will he come Mm. to the Lakers? The only team out there that has the ability to offer two max veteran contracts We've been talking about it for the last year and a half, Paul George, LeBron James, with that young nucleus, with Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram, uh, Josh Hart, and yes, Lonzo Ball, or is Lonzo Ball out? So the latest mm. this week, uh, Brady, is LeVar, yeah. who's been rather quiet, but no longer. Yeah. He is now ripping the uh, trainer, Gunnar Peterson of the Lakers, one of the most respected trainers in sports, by the way, where his methods are huh. used by, I don't know, like LeBron James, um, that he's to blame for the fact that Lonzo missed 30 games last year. Now, LeVar's saying, my son was never hurt until this guy got a hold of him. And he says, this guy's training techniques are pure BS. So LeVar's at it again. Jeez. So if I'm Lonzo Ball, if I'm if I'm, hey, can Lebr- I just say something yeah. here? Can I just yeah. say something about an MC? Because he had an MCL. Wait, did he? Yeah, he had MCL and then he had a shoulder, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Training, bad training could lead to that. Yeah, it could. I mean, because, well, I'll tell you this. Having been in the, uh, the, the that business for a number of years and still in the business, it's a hard thing because especially when you're dealing with so many different athletes and they have different needs and, and it changes on a yearly basis because like, you know, Lonzo wasn't with the Lakers and then all of a sudden he is because he was drafted by him that you have to adapt so quickly to all these guys. Sometimes you just, you know what? You just get caught where a guy comes, you don't adapt adapt because you don't get to know his body enough and he's a young guy and he just is a yes sir guy and he does whatever you do and so i mean although lavar has he's he's an absolute we call him in spanish a pajazazo which is like a huge clown he's got a, he's a buffoon just says i mean there's sometimes some truth behind it and so it could have been that his training was an issue but you can't put it on the trainer because it's not like all of a sudden the trainer has a gun to the kid's head saying you better do this or else you know what you have the opportunity and the option as a player to say hey look man this isn't working for me let's figure out some other stuff he didn't do that so you can't put it on the trainer but there it could for surely be something having to do with bad training let's just well but but it beyond whether he's right or wrong about that the fact that he's even talking about it once again Oh, he has good. infiltrated good the conversation with the Lakers. Now, the latest also mm. is that uh, Leangelo Ball uh, is going to be part of a pre-draft workout with the Lakers. Now, it's not an exclusive workout. There are going to be several players there that are flying low on the radar. These are guys that are you know, yeah. maybe going to get drafted or not going to get drafted. This is commonplace. They're going to bring a lot of these guys in for a workout. So basically, they're just trying to fill out a team, and they're like, right. Angelo's down the road. Let's bring him in. Plus, it'll bring some nice little PR. Well, exactly. The are out of it right now. now. You know, I mean, now it's, here's it's, what, there's some upside. Now, here's it. what LeVar said about Leangelo and the Lakers. He goes, first priority is to get Jell-O on the Lakers. Everyone in the world says, (laughs) hey, it won't work, but this is the best fit. Look at the position they need. You said LeVar said this? I'm reading LeVar. Listen to to the quote before you comment, all right? All right, this is him. I'm I'm quoting him, all right? 
Here's what he said. I can't hold it together. First priority <laughs> is to get Jello on the Lakers. Everyone in the world says, "Hey, it uh, won't work." This is the best fit. Look for the position they need. You say Lonzo needs to get stronger to be a better shooter. I'm bringing you a stronger one and a shooter. He's a pure scorer. Jello has to be seen. Not talking about on a highlight tape in person. See what type of guy he is. The way he's built. The way he plays the game. Whenever they play together, they are great together. In fact, Jello says, <laughs> "I've never lost a game playing with my brother Lonzo." So basically, Lavar is saying, "You put my my son." Leangelo Ball with Lonzo Ball, you will never lose a game because they've never lost a game together. All right, so well, let me ask you this: yes. let's let's go let's logically walk down this path. All right, try to so be you got a guy that would have never. I, 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 okay, so you got a guy that he was the never lowest guy in the, into the starting five at UCLA right? in, in UCLA. He would never even, even broken into the starting five, and he was in the lower tier. That all of a sudden, on a team like the Lakers, yes. would immediately by his arrival would yes. make them contenders. Correct. <laughs> Not, yeah, I, not, no, no, wow. no. Not contenders undefeated. They, they would never oh lose a game. Gosh. All right. Now let's now let's <laughs> take a step back from this absurdity, right, for a second here. And now you're LeBron wow, James. Okay. Now you're LeBron James. So I'm uh-huh. I'm LeBron and I'm watching this circus continuing on with LeVar Ball, who is making it clear mm-hmm. that Lonzo Leangelo and Lamella all will be Lakers, all right? And he yeah. will continue to make noise until it actually happens. So I'm, I'm LeBron James, and, and and let's face it, wherever LeBron goes, he's going to be calling the shots, or at the very no least, question. is going to have a no major share of of exactly. what's going to go on. So I, if I'm if I'm LeBron, I look at the Lakers, and and you got Kuzma, you got Brandon Ingram. I like Josh Hart. Going to bring in Paul. Dur- I, I like where we're going here, but th- this ball situation, I, I'm not quite comfortable with that now. I heard this year earlier. Uh, Jason McIntyre had talked about this, and he's right. The Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns were one team that were really interested in Lonzo Ball uh, before last year's draft. Really interested in him. Well, now they're sitting with the number one pick in the draft. So if you're the Lakers, you say you call the Suns. Say, remember how how much you loved Lonzo Ball? <laughs> Tell you what, we will give you Lonzo Ball. We'll even give mm. you another draft pick or something. None of our core guys. Well, we'll give you another, you know, something else. <laughs> and you give us the number one pick in the draft. I mean, if you think Lonzo nah, Ball is that, then you give us the number one pick in the draft. All right? I'll tell I mean, you what happens LeBron. Let me tell you, Steve. Do you think, Steve, that Le- you. you think LeBron really wants to deal with this ball situation? No, but he's what he's going to do is he's already he's already voiced himself very clearly and aggressively towards LeVar and said, keep my name out of your mouth, all that kind of stuff. I guarantee you that before he signed any paperwork, he would go sit down with LeVar, Le- Lonzo, you know, this, just those two and say, look, look, LeVar, Lonzo has tremendous upside. You add me to the equation where he's a facilitator. Obviously, I will be able to play off of him. He's going to set me up. I'm going to make him look like an all NBA point guard. I'm going to do the very thing that your voice and your, you know, your your buffoon-like behavior is trying to accomplish. I'm going to do that for him, but I need something from you. I need you to shut up. I want to hear a word from you. I don't want to hear anything because I'll let you know this: that if we start hearing from you, not only will your son not be playing with me because I'm going to force a trade to get him out of here. You saw what I did in Cleveland, right? Yeah, I'll do it here too. But the second thing is, your son's going to be a nobody. He's going to go down in the history as a bust. So you comply with me. I mean, this is obviously being a little overly aggressive, but it'd be almost like, hey, man, this is how it's going to be. This is our working relationship. You don't say a word or else. And I promise you, LeVar's smart enough because he's already been smart enough to shut up when the Lakers told him to, that he would immediately say, LeBron, you're the man. You're the king. Go ahead. Do your thing. And, and I would think that would be the conversation and that would be the end of it. 
and LeBron would go, and I would I would think Lonzo, as long as his dad isn't creating you know a lot of issues for him, which he has already in the past, like putting a huge target on his chest, um, you know what, we'll go out and play very well, especially with a guy like LeBron at his side. So I, I see them being perfectly compatible. LeBron though having to set the boundaries of the relationship. Yeah, but again, uh, Lavar's never adhered to anybody, and remember what LeBron said. This he will was to LeBron, remember though. you remember what Lavar said about LeBron's kids. This is where LeBron put his <laughs> foot down. He, he said yeah. that LeVar said his children were set up better for future success than LeBron's kids. And LeBron said, keep my kid's name out of your mouth. Keep my family out of your mouth. <laughs> this is dad and dad. It's a problem now. You don't think that LeBron remembers that? And, and, well, he and suddenly, that, but he and then all of a sudden, Le- all of a sudden up, he goes he? to the Lakers and, and Lonzo's not playing well. And LeVar starts really, and he goes, well, the problem is LeBron. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you <laughs> right now. That's never going to happen. Well, well they of course it is. Like LeVar you, is not afraid to be critical of anyone. I know At what that, point but then are all of a sudden. What? He's LeBron not going to shut up. LeBron, okay, that's okay. Like I said, you said you said the boundary. If you cross the boundary, you go talk to Magic. You say, Magic, it's time to get rid of this guy, which Magic would be more willing to. And they they, they trade him. He's they, gone. Exactly. He's no longer an issue. That's my whole that's point. That's what I'm saying. If I'm, what well, I'm saying point. is LeBron is saying, you, don't need you want me to be a Laker? We don't need to get rid of Lonzo Ball now. No, I wouldn't yeah, do that now. issue. Lonzo, Lonzo could be valuable Stay for LeBron. Your, That's no. what people don't realize. No, no. He could be extremely valuable because he is such a good setup guy. Not dealing and with And LeBron him. could use him like Le- you would LeBron, never believe. I, I don't need him. I don't need him. I don't need him. He doesn't technically need him, but it, it's he's a nice luxury to have because he is such a pass-first facilitator. I'm telling you, those kind of guys in LeBron are, I mean, uh, Again, it has nothing to do with Lonzo's game. It has everything to do with everything else. That's the whole point. I All know right. that, but LeBron has the ability to wield his power to shut him up. I mean, LeBron shut him up last time. Remember when they got in that interaction? LeVar didn't respond. He was, oh, oh, I'm going to get my lane. You know, he stayed with it. Didn't didn't retract. You know, didn't try to retaliate or anything. So, I mean, I, LeBron's got it, man. He could do it. He could set the tone very quickly and shut up LeVar. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Warrior fans are having a hard time right now. On one hand, they talk about four Hall of Famers, and yet apparently none of those guys is their most valuable player. How is this possible? We're going to tell you coming up next. Warriors, come out to play. Steve Harbin and Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga. I have a question for you, Brady, because I know you're, yeah. you're a big uh, warrior guy. Uh, I do. I enjoy their, their style of play. I know. And the thing that's interesting is I'm not a big foyer fan. Mm-hmm. I'm just a fan of two things. First, I'm a fan of greatness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched, you wouldn't believe it, the time back in the Lakers when Kobe was in their prime with Shaq. Kobe! You know, I'd sit there and watch it. And my wife's like somebody who doesn't like sports. You know, her like nightmare growing up was having a husband who sat and watched sports. And so when I would sit there and watch sports, she was like, this is a nightmare coming to my coming to reality. And I had explained to her, no, the reason why I'm watching the Lakers, because I just watched the Lakers when they were in their height. I was like, I'm just watching greatness, and I enjoyed it. And I was never a Laker fan, and I'm still not a Laker fan, and I'm doing the same thing with the Warriors. I'm watching greatness, All right, and I'm enjoying well, let, it, Okay, and I'm just basking in the moment. All right. Do you know what the I'm saying? War, the Warriors have two players that are all-time greats, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. These are all-time greats, all right? First sure. ballot, no question, Hall of Famers. You got Klay Thompson, and you got Draymond Green that may very well join them someday in the Hall of Fame if they continue on as – key contributors on multiple championship teams, all right? Mm-hmm. And yet, sure. all I'm hearing from Warrior fans after to these last two games is, well, no Iguodala. 
I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second here. Hold on, let me, let me, step back. I understand that, that Igudala is a valuable piece. Heck, he was the NBA Finals MVP a couple of years ago, and he's a veteran leadership and everything else. But if you if you have four Hall of Famers on the court, you should be able to overcome the loss of a guy who's at the tail end of his career in Andre Iguodala. But this this is just I, I find this is so funny, laughable man. about these Warrior fans. Well, yeah, we, we it's not the laughable. only reason we lost we don't have Iguodala. I go, wait a second, you have Durant, you got Curry, you got Thompson, and you got Draymond Green, and now you're telling me you can't win without Iguodala? Yeah, but it's not laughable because the thing about the Warriors is and it's you can say the same thing about the the Houston Rockets, but they're each on the either, the either side of the spectrum. Is their style of play is so team oriented that if you lose one of those guys, we saw it when they lost Steph. You'll see it when they lose one of those guys. It throws them sort of for a loop because they're so intimately connected and they rely on each other. And there's and like I was talking about earlier, they know how each other thinks. And all of a sudden, you throw another guy in there, they have to relearn how that guy thinks. And and sometimes it's just not the moment to do it when you're in the finals. And that's why, like when you talk teams, you have to have this multi-dimension ability about you to adapt. And unfortunately, sometimes you get so extreme onto your philosophy that, man, as soon as all of a sudden one piece is removed, it just throws you up. And the same with the Rockets. When all of a sudden their ISO game doesn't work, man, they just, they're just they not as effective as a team. And so both of them, it's almost like they have to come into the middle a little bit and have the ability to be more diverse of what they do. The Warriors, yeah, they need to be able to work a little bit more ISO and not have that affect their team kind of chemistry. And on the other side of the ball, the Rockets have to be able to come in and move the ball around a little, be a little bit more team-oriented, but yet still not be too far removed from their ability to be ISO-oriented as an offense. And that's how Iguodala fits into this is they rely on him so heavily defensively, even offensively, of always moving, setting guys up, setting screens, you know, passing things of that nature. When you lose a guy like that, all of a sudden, I mean, seriously, you're like, whoa, wait, wait, we got to relearn each other's mannerisms and, you know, what they're going to do now. And, and and it's obviously, like we've seen, it's thrown them off a little bit. So it's it's natural. And, I mean, you can make that claim. But in the same breath, you're right. Those One of those three, four guys have to step up and say, okay, he's gone. Now we have to adapt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kurt has to jump in and do not it one or two or three. Adapt. It's supposedly Kevin Durant. You know, some people after last year's NBA Finals when Durant played a magnificent game, outplayed LeBron, that he's the best player in the league. Really? Let me ask you this. If you were to line up every coach, every general manager, every owner in the NBA and said, you make a choice today, today, would you like LeBron James or would you like Kevin Durant? Oh, hang on to that. Hang on to that. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something else. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll get the answer to that question coming up next. Another big Saturday. Hey, we got a Game 7 tomorrow. Are we going to get a Game 7 on Monday as well? That's right. The countdown to the NBA Finals is on. Hartman and Papinga with you. Coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, Jason McIntyre, who does the show before us here on the vast mm-hmm. uh, Fox Sports Radio Network, uh, yeah. is a big Kevin Durant guy. And he was, uh, once again, making the big argument about, despite the fact that Durant has come up short the last couple of games, while LeBron obviously is playing monster basketball, that he sure. still makes the argument that Durant is the better player. And huh. and, I'm, and, he, and he said, and, and his argument was is that you can't just judge Durant on a small sample size. you got to look at the bigger picture. And then I'm thinking to myself, 
And then he hearkened back to last year's NBA Finals, and I'm like, well, isn't that a small sample size? In other words, last year Durant seemed to be on a mission. The Warriors took a back step to allow Durant to have center stage. He delivered in a big way, obviously. Uh, Golden State was unbelievable last year. They lost one game, one game in the entire playoffs. So um, he had his moment. Uh, But I I get back to this idea. I mean, I – Again, you're not going to change a lot of people's minds out there, but I, I think the vast majority of people that are just taking a step back, and I'm not talking about Jordan, I'm talking about right now in the NBA, would agree uh-huh. that, that LeBron is not just the dominant force, but he's light years ahead of everyone else in his ability to dominate when he puts his mind to it and, and literally carry an entire team on his back uh, much how people claimed that Jordan did, just ignoring the fact that Scottie Pippen was a first ballot Hall of Famer in his prime at the exact same time. Well, that, let me, let me interject here, Steve. Go let, ahead. Let Go me ahead. interject. Let me interject here. Let's because you got to. It's it's all about talking in the same kind of context here, because there's one. It's one one thing to say, okay, a guy who can dominate a game. And you look at and I and I and I and, I, and LeBron, no question, can take over and dominate a game as good or better than anybody in the history of the NBA. And he's by far able to do that on a higher level, more consistently than anybody we've seen today. But that doesn't automatically equate that he's the greatest player. And I'll give you an example. Russell Westbrook. He's more of an extreme even than, than LeBron in the sense he's a volatile personality, sometimes toxic. But he even, you could make a claim, not 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 to LeBron's level, but even more so than, the, than Grant, uh, Durant and some of these other all-stars that he even has a greater ability of being able to take over and dominate games, but that doesn't lead to wins. And and what I mean is, and where I'm going with this, is is those are they're good attributes to have, but they're not the only attributes that you're looking for when you're talking about who's the greatest, who's gonna because it's ultimately about who's gonna help you win the most. And LeBron, he's he's close, man. I mean, he's close to being a guy that can just dominate and then also help you win. But where he lacks to where Kevin Durant does have him is in being a team player. And that's because LeBron is still yet to figure out how he can empower those around him by teaching them sound basketball principles to where then they can go and and run with it themselves. To where if he's not there or he has to take a break and he's out for a little bit, boom, they can just take off. They can continue to operate at a high level. He's never been able to do that. See, Durant's different. Durant is a team player. Durant works with his guys better than LeBron does. So... For, for Jason McIntyre, I can see that. I can see the argument there. I don't agree with him because I, I look at LeBron still with his his, unabil- his uncanny ability to take games over, hit those shots like he did last night, carry the team on his shoulder. He overcomes some of the shortcomings. But I get it when you just look at the totality of the guy in terms of how he influences his teams to succeed. I mean, the Durant's close. You know, he's not so far behind that when you look at everything – that it's just you know foregone conclusion. It's LeBron, but LeBron has issues with being a micromanager and just when things go wrong. And it's just you know I see it all the time, even you know in, in other walks of life where things go wrong. Everybody's like, okay, I'm just gonna do it. Just just give me you know like with your kids, you know like you ask them to clean you like you'll do see it all the time. Say, hey, can you sweep up the kitchen floor for me? And they start sweeping and they're not getting all the crumbs into the dustpan. They're you know spilling the dustpan. Half of it's going into the trash, half of it's going out. And finally the parents are like, oh fine, just give me the just give it to me. And they do it themselves. That's LeBron. 
you know, LeBron, he has to get to the point to where he can sit back, be patient in practice, even in the games, and empower his teammates. And he's just not there yet. And that's why he is still not considered the greatest ever and why there still is an argument that if there was a draft, I, w- I would think hard and long about not – I don't know if it would be just like, oh, I'm, a, I'm drafting LeBron. If, if all players were available like you had talked about in the last segment, I don't know if I would just sit there without thinking about it and draft LeBron. All right. Uh, I, he has some shortcomings that right. need to be at least reconciled. All right. Uh, let, let me just blow a hole right through everything you just said. <laughs> okay, we'll let, go and try I, to do that. So let me get get back to this. You're talking about Durant being a better team player. Now, granted, okay, so no, he joined. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what I'm. Let me tell you what I'm saying. That he I'm can saying, raise the level of Durant. play of his team, and yet I haven't seen. No, 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 no. That's just part of it. No, no. Clay me, Thompson whoa, whoa, whoa. or Draymond whoa, whoa, Green me, better players me, now you're, you're, than you're the before they had Kevin Durant. Steve, you missed the target. What I'm saying is, is that who helps their teams win the most? Who ultimately gives is the strongest influencer of helping the their Warriors team win? The Warriors won 73 about. games the year before Durant arrived. Each year since he's been there, well, they, they won, won the fewer games. They didn't win the championship, so you can't use games. I'm talking. But they won the championship the know, year it's, before it's that. It's not a correlation. But they won the championship the year before that. that. I understand that, but it wasn't like the they had never won a championship. Let me go this last game. I get that. Durant in this last game, in which he had a poor shooting game, just eight of twenty-two from the field. Uh-huh. He played forty minutes. Forty minutes in the game, he had zero assist. Zero. Okay. Okay. So I, 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 I'm, I'm. Did you trying, see him on I, the defensive side of the court? I, that's hard though, because the defensive side of the court, what you got to understand is even like Clay Thompson runs into this all the time too. Where people will immediately like, man, this guy's having a bad game. He didn't even shoot well. He was one for ten from the three point line. But then they don't even realize that on the other side of the court, he just shut down one of their best players, made it extremely difficult. Durant does the same thing. Durant defensively, and this is what's hard for a statistician. You know, us that want to. Are you saying that LeBron has no impact define. on the defensive end? Now, granted, at fifteen well, years, he's not the same impact guy he was. Uh, Steve, let's just break it to everybody. LeBron uses the defensive side of the court in most cases. I'm talking probably nine out of ten times. To rest, and so yes, I mean he's well, but, capable, but, that, but he can't Jordan sustain did the same himself thing. on the Kobe offensive side. Kobe did the same thing not later in much. their career. Not as much. Not as, not as much. much. Later no. in their careers. No. And heck, no, heck no. I saw you Kobe. The, Kobe stopped film. playing defense the last five well, years in the league. He stopped playing he, defense. I'm talking. You're talking Kobe. I'm talking Jordan. Jordan did not do that. Jordan didn't like, play this long. You. you can't even compare Jordan because he left the game so early. You can. I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point is, is this is Jordan was able to spend more time defending because he knew that he had to, he had delegated enough power to the guys around he him that if he had to rest on the offensive side, guy. They could get away was with the it. best defensive player Understood. in the league. Understood. But still, Le- LeBron does not play anywhere near as much defense as Kevin Durant does, as Michael Jordan did, and all those guys. And he can't. He can't not afford to. Not at this to. point, As soon can. as he does, he's, he's going to run mean, out of I gas. Mean, he, I, I, even in his prime, I, I, he didn't. But Durant, here's, here's, you know what But Steve, I, when you make these arguments, you can't just you can't just go to scoring. You can't just go to assists because that's that's not enough. you got to look at the totality of their influence. And you can't just say a guy played bad because he shot poorly. You're, you're immediately eliminating one half of the game, which is playing defense. Well, I'm not Kevin eliminating Durant has been a shutdown it. defender. Their whole, I mean, think about it. The, what was the, tell me, how many points has the Houston Rockets averaged up until this point in the NBA this year? I'm saying, what, 110? I mean, it's been unbelievable. 
and the and the Warriors have stymated their offense, have absolutely shut them down. Now they've given uh, the unfortunate thing is, and they've admitted themselves, they've done it so much, they've focused so much on defense, they've actually given given up offensively on some things, which were turnovers focused. Maybe you know they're they're giving up too much energy on the defense, which that's how they operate. That's what they decided to do. But still, I mean that you can't take away what they've done defensively to the Houston Rockets, which is one of the most explosive right, offenses we've seen in the NBA let for me, years. I'm going to ask you this right now, today, okay. okay? The Cleveland Cavaliers trade Kevin Durant, or the Cleveland Cavaliers trade LeBron for Kevin Durant. You put Durant on the Cleveland Cavaliers instead of LeBron. Okay. Are they winning as okay. many games as they are right now? If Durant is there instead it's hard of LeBron, for me to argue James, on that one, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it's it's hard for me to argue that. But at the same time, when I look at a, I mean, okay, because I'm I'm thinking, okay, if I yeah, he could, yeah, because you, he's, you he's a better Kevin, scorer than I mean, LeBron. I, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, so, oh, yeah. He's he's a lights so out scorer, man. Because he's basically going to play ISO ball. Yes. So yes, I'll go. Let me go back to then another game here. That. Let me let me go back. Uh, one of the most okay. uh, forgotten games. So I haven't forgotten. Let's go back two years ago to the uh, Western Conference Finals. Oklahoma City going okay. up against Golden State. And Oklahoma City's right. up three games to one. They go back to Golden State. Oklahoma City loses game five. No big deal. All right? Now they're at okay. home. They're at home, ready to wrap okay. up the series. The Warriors are, you know, on the ropes. Gotcha. Game six, at home. You know what happened in that game? Kevin Durant What's shot that? him right out of the game. He goes 10 for 31. Brick after brick after brick <laughs> down the stretch, and they okay. lose that game and end up losing that series in seven games. But in the biggest game he had, where he was more the guy than certainly he was when game. he joined the Golden State Warriors, because if he had game, had Steve, no, but it was one the game. game. I could cherry pick a game. I could cherry pick a game for LeBron too. Well, okay, LeBron's had a lot, but LeBron, LeBron has had a lot more I mean, of those can, games. Let me ask yeah, you this. Yeah, he's do had a lot more because he's you been in those situations where he's won, the guy. Do you think the Warriors would have won the championship last year without Kevin Durant? I don't know. Whereas, you know, I mean, it, it, it was t- it would have been a toss-up again. Remember I mean, last it's, year, it's the tough. Warriors lost isn't it one game in the playoffs? They lost one game. Yeah. So do you think that team could have won the championship? They swept the Blazers. Oh, they, they swept sure, the Jazz. Sure, they swept the Spurs. They, they lost have. one game to the Cavs. I don't know if they would have. I mean, because what they learned really quick, that Warriors team without Kevin Durant or without another stud like Kevin Durant, was, for example, St- Steph Curry, he he is not big enough and uh, physically imposing enough to handle the wears and tears of being targeted defensively and then to be able to go down and, and do the things that people expect out of a guy like Kevin Durant or LeBron James or those guys where it's basically like, hey, you got to take over because we just can't generate any points. We can't get guys open. Guys aren't shooting. We need some couple, you know, a couple of those kind of easy buckets to get everybody rolling. You know, and they realize with Steph that, I mean, he's he's phenomenal and everything, but he just doesn't have the stamina because of his size and the, his physical makeup to be able to pull that off. And you can't just sit back and shoot 50-foot three-pointers and hope that they go in to get everybody excited. You well, need I don't know. He did it all the way to the tune of winning 73 games and unanimous MVP, the only guy ever Again, to be a unanimous most valuable player. That was the regular season. Yeah, that well, was the regular 82 season. Games. That was not. That's 82 they, games. That was, right. I understand, but that was not in a playoff setting. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. The Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics are going to be at home tomorrow with a chance yeah. of getting back to the NBA Finals. I'm going to talk about a parallel between the Celtics and the Lakers 
that's mm-hmm. really going to piss off a lot of Laker fans coming up next. <laughs> Steve Hartman, Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga here on Fox Sports Radio. Beautiful Saturday. Hey, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. You could talk about players win championships, coaches win championships, but those that have the most success, it's organizations that win championships, Brady. No question. Uh, it yep. starts at the top, and having the ability to understand how to run a successful organization, and it's it's interesting the dynamic of the two most successful franchises in the history of the NBA, the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's go back. In 2014, just four years after the Lakers and Celtics played in the NBA Finals, seven-game series, Lakers coming out on top, four years later, both of them cratered. The Lakers <laughs> won 27 games that year, and the Celtics were even worse. They won 25 games. So that hmm. was four years ago. So both of these fabled franchises had hit rock bottom. Since that year... After winning 25 games in uh, 2014, the Celtics have won 40, 48, 53, and 55 games. All right? Mm-hmm. Let's take the Lakers' you know what path. what it is, right? No, 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 we'll get to that. The Lakers, okay. after winning 27 games, won 21, 17, 26, and 35. So if you're a Laker fan, you're like, wait a second. We were basically in the exact same predicament as the Celtics four years ago. They are now just one game away from being back in the NBA Finals, and the Lakers are a long way away from even being a playoff team. So (laughs) I guess the, the obvious would be, well, the difference was this. One team had Danny Ainge, and the other had Jim Buss. Exactly. Danny well, Ainge. It's not even that. But it it's wasn't that. It was Mitch Cup stability, though, right? Well, okay. The stability in the Do the Lakers have stability now? Do you believe that Magic Johnson, still unproven as an administrator, as great a player as he was, because let's face it, Michael Jordan doesn't exactly have a championship track record <laughs> as an administrator <laughs> or true. as an owner, okay? <laughs> let's just make that yeah. clear, right? Um, I mean, it is... It, 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 it is about organization, right? It, it is about the sure. fact that the Celtics were able to steady the ship a lot quicker than the Lakers simply because they had people at the top that understood what they were doing. No, Well, not only did they understood what they were doing, they had a plan that they could see through. Whereas with the Lakers, it's like you had a plan with Cupcheck, and all of a sudden his plan didn't seem like it was working. Then let's go, okay, let's, you know crumble that up, throw it in the trash bin. Let's try another plan. Oh, I don't know about that. And then they had the whole disagreement with the family and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And finally they said, let's get magic in here. You know, we're we're still seeing this kind of, you know, play itself out. And so it's almost like if you're going to kind of compare the two organizations, right now the Lakers are at where the Celtics were at back when you started talking about, okay, they cratered at this point and they started making incremental. It's almost like they're year two and so if you put them on the same track, they're still about two, three years away to see if this new plan that the Lakers are implementing has the same results as what the Celtics are seeing right now. Well, let me, let me take it a step further. All right, so there are different components okay. in this, okay? So the Celtics, that year they cratered was the first year that Brad Stevens was the head coach. I remember at the time, Doc Rivers had been there. Obviously, <laughs> he was you know yeah. there during their championship 
uh, season in 08, run to the finals in 2010. And, and you're bringing in Brad Stevens, no NBA background, none. I mean, he had pulled a miracle at Butler where he led him to back-to-back uh, runs to the championship game. I remember that mm-hmm. first year, people were just like, oh, this is terrible. I mean, the, he is overwhelmed. He has yeah. no clue what he's doing. He has no control over this basketball team. Now he's considered one of the best. Let's take Luke Walton, right? Have you seen enough in Luke Walton? to say that he is potentially on the same path as a Brad Stevens where every year they've gotten better with, you know, stable management in Boston. And you just said it was a restart for the Lakers with Luke Walden. So can you see from a coaching standpoint a parallel between a Brad Stevens who had no NBA experience and a guy like Luke Walden who has nothing but NBA experience? There, I don't see much parallels, but here's the thing. I look at to see that most for the most part I know Gordon well Gordon Hayward obviously Kyrie Irving are the exceptions but every single other guy they have there that's playing well has pretty much been drafted and developed through their system with the Lakers to me I don't believe that's going to be Luke Walton's strong point his strong point to me is simply not getting in the way of the stars wow and they got to use Magic Johnson. Yeah, they got to use Magic Johnson and his reputation to, to attract some stars in there if they're going to ultimately realize their potential. And I mean, that's just been the Lakers. I mean, when have when the Lakers ever drafted and developed anybody? You know, I know I know Magic Johnson and some of those guys. You know, but they still. Well, I mean, you know, they developed Kobe Bryant. Attract. They had Kobe Bryant yeah, from his I mean, rookie sure. year on. Sure, sure. But I mean, they still had to bring in star power though. They still brought yeah. in Shaquille. I mean, Absolutely. Year they brought in Agassol a bunch of dudes, and all know, the guys. Carlo. Sure, yeah, sure. So that's still going to be something they're going to – that's a model they're going to have to continue to follow, I would say, as, as long as Luke's there. Because that's his strong point. To me, he's a cool dude that guys, especially vet guys, are going to love to play for. Because he know, they know that he's not going to step on their toes. He knows, like, what the boundaries are for a player. Because most former players, that's their strong point is they pretty much coach their players like they like to have or would have liked to have been coached when they played. And, and vet players that are established, like LeBron, Paul George, they love those kind of guys. So – when you look at him as parallels, Brad Stevens is an, he's a, he's a teacher, he's a developer, he's a guy that's really good for a draft and develop kind of situation. Like mostly what Boston has seen is what you know that's what that has been. But if you put him in a situation where he brings in these established all stars, we haven't really seen how he he performs. Whereas with Luke Wall and I do, I, and we still haven't seen Luke Wall perform. Well, in and exactly what well, we saw with Kyrie Irving, though. I mean, you brought different. in a star with Kyrie Irving, right? Sure. I mean, he's a star. Yeah. Uh, and we we didn't get a complete list. And it, you know, it's interesting how the Celtic team would would the Celtics have been that much better with Kyrie Irving? In other words, if, oh if they've gotten gosh, this yes. far with without Kyrie Irving, would they have just you know boat raced the entire Eastern Conference with Kyrie Irving? Oh we wouldn't have gosh. known about it. Would have been really it'd been it'd been over quick with the, the Cavaliers. Can't There's you make no an argument because... that in many ways the Celtics have actually played better basketball deeper on their bench without Kyrie Irving? Maybe they maybe this team mm-hmm. the makeup well, of this current no, team they're... is more in the wheelhouse of of what Brad Stevens says best as a coach. Well. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. When you're on the road and all of a sudden those, you know, between quotation bench deep guys just aren't performing as well as they do at home. I'm not talking specifically about the Celtics. The greatest equalizer is to have this transcendent guy that's so good at ISO talking about Kyrie. Everybody talks about great James Harden is at ISO or Chris Paul. No, Kyrie's the best one-on-one ISO guy this league has today. And those guys are phenomenal. And it's just like, okay, you got all these sweet plays you draw up, which, you know, Brad Stevens is known for. And then when they all of a sudden don't work, 
because it, it happens, you know, especially on the road. There's nothing like saying, okay, man, we're going to go, what do they call it sometimes, like four square or four on the bottom or just, you know, clear out one side before guys want and just let him go and then dish and, you know, do what he's got to do, kick out. Do you like ISO that. ball? I mean, do you like ISO ball? I mean, this I is the new. I hate it. I mean, this is the I new rage. It. I mean, it's it's what Dan Tony is professing yeah. with the Rockets. And now the, the war, I'm telling you, the Warriors are starting to show this and it's not working for them. Well, what I what I what I hate about it is that what people think it really is, which a lot of times the Rockets fall into this, and this is when they don't play very well, especially against a good team like the Warriors, is is they think it's really truly iso ball, like it's one on one. What it really is, it what Dan Antonio is trying to do, is all he's trying to do is just say, look, what we're the way we're going to ignite and, and put into motion our offense is through the iso, and then off of that we still have to work together. And when they do, they're difficult to stop. When you're kicking the ball out, you're moving it around the perimeter, and you get other guys cutting and. You know, all the when when it comes back to the team, it's phenomenal. But when it's simply, oh, we're gonna go stand over here on one side of the court and we're just gonna let one guy do all the work, that never works. You know what I mean? So I, I do believe that even with the players, it gets a little bit misconstrued. But my point with the the you know having Kyrie there is all of a sudden, man. I mean, it's a great option though to have. And like I said, I think the Warriors could turn to it, even do a little more with Kevin Durant when just stuff isn't working with their motion. And the same thing the Celtics could do when their stuff just isn't working fine. Let's just go to some ISOs, get things going. And that's what LeBron does so well is he'll go and will a couple of hoops to get his team into rhythm, build some confidence, get him back on track. And that would be the difference with Kyrie right now with the Celtics is he would be bring that element that right now they just don't have of just getting back on track when, when things just aren't working in, in a few ruts, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, having Kyrie would make this Boston team – I would say they would be already done with the Eastern Conference Finals, and we may be talking about, wow, whoever comes out of the West, this is not going to be a pushover. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're constantly talking about winning, 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 winning. What if I were to tell you about an athlete that won nothing, nothing, Hmm. and still is a surefire Hall of Famer? We're going to get to that. But let's bring in uh, David Gascon right now. Are you talking about Kershaw? <laughs> I'm not talking about Kershaw. That was a good guess. No, no, no but he's won that was something. A good one there, buddy. I'm talking about someone that's won nothing. Oh, all right. What are you talking about? Absolutely. No, no, don't be guessing. I will get to. All right, right, right. it is. I I it's a sad story. I, yeah. Man. All right. So, um, all right. but uh, Mr. Gascon, are, are you? Uh, so again, twelve point spread tonight. You're taking what? I'm going to take. I'm going to take Houston tonight. So you're going to take the points? Oh, yeah. I'm going to take wow. the 12 and a half. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. But, I mean, but do you mean you're taking the points in the sense it's going to be a closer game? You're not picking Houston to win, are you? Right, right, yeah. I'll, no, he's I'll taking t- the points. Yeah, okay, yeah okay. I'll take the points. What I about think- you, Brady? Are you taking the points, 12 and a half? I would take the points, too. I believe it's going to come down to the yeah, last couple of possessions, but I think the Warriors are going to win. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine if the Warriors lost tonight? Oh, that would be. I think that would be it great would be for the colossal. NBA. <laughs> it would be great. It's colossal, though, guys. I mean, it literally is. It would It would be a failure of a season, and, the, I mean, we wouldn't see this Warrior team, I would say, ever again. It would be yeah. the last of them. I Somebody if, would leave. I wonder if this would be it's worse crazy. than the 73-win season, though, mm-hmm. in terms of collapse, because winning – or leading 3-1, giving that up and losing a game seven on home court. That's the worst. That's the worst. But this, I mean, you yep. got five this all-stars. Second place. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, four flipping all-stars, and yeah, yeah. it would be tough. Yeah. All right, what's happening out there, Dave? Well, interesting, because we have that game six tonight at Oracle Arena, and Steve Curry, he's not uh, panicking just yet. I feel great about where we are right now. And that may sound crazy. I feel it. I know exactly what I'm seeing out there. Just too many turnovers, too many reaches, 
And if we settle down a little bit, we're going to be in really good shape. Yeah, Warriors and Rockets tip off time from Oracle Arenas at 9 o'clock Eastern. Golden State is on the brink. They're down the series three games to two. For the Houston Rockets, though, they'll be without the services of one Chris Paul. Now, in the Eastern Conference Finals, it has been ruled officially Kevin Love, he is out for Game 7. He's got a concussion, so he will not participate in that ball game. On the other side of things, Jason Tatum, who did collide with him, was also evaluated by doctors. But he's got a clean bill of health, relatively speaking, so he'll be good to go in Game 7. Keep in mind, all six teams that have played in this series so far have won on their home court. Obviously, it's tied at three games apiece. In Major League Baseball, one game is in progress. Atlanta Braves are in front, and they lead the Boston Red Sox 5-4. to four. Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez, a combined 0-5. for five. And as soon as I say that, Betts just hits a, a leadoff single. So he is now 1-4, for four, but J.D. <laughs> Martinez is 0-2 for two in this one. One game being played right now outside of a, a little soccer. So... Gentlemen, it's uh, back to you. Very good. Thank you so much, uh, David. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Brady, as you know, my my father passed away recently. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I had a, I had a you know, interesting relationship. Like other, any father-son relationship, you have, you know, highs sure. and lows and everything else. Uh, but in his passing, I, I tend to think about a lot of the things uh, that we shared and mm-hmm. obviously time together. And, and sports was so much of the bonding between my father and I. It, it's, you know, a big sure. reason I got so immersed in sports. And my dad was never the kind of guy, sports guy that I became. Uh, but it, it became a common denominator. And this is true of mm-hmm. a lot of father-son relationships, uh, certainly in this country. And I was thinking about this as we are in the Memorial Day weekend. Like, how, how, what, was, what was a common thread when I was a kid as far as Memorial Day weekend? And uh, no doubt about it, one of the biggest things about Memorial Day weekend was the Indianapolis 500. Now, in those days, sure. and I'm going back to the 70s, um, we, we, you would hear it on the radio. There was no live TV coverage of the Indy 500. ABC would carry the race on delay. So, in other words, the race would happen, hmm. and you would listen That's to it. it on the radio. And it was always fascinating to me as a kid because you got, you know, all the announcers and they did a beautiful job of painting the picture. Of, you know, you were thinking, well, they're just going around in a circle, so to speak. But no, I mean, <laughs> you know, they let's go into turn four, you know, and then you got all the. Sure. And it was it was great listening. I can remember just being outside and my dad was always working outside and we'd be listening to the Indianapolis 500. Well, obviously, the mm-hmm. Indy 500 is no longer that race. Uh, you know, NASCAR has has taken center stage in the racing world in this country, and and Indy has has taken a back seat. I mean, obviously, it has the richest history. It's an amazing place, by the way. If you've never been to the Indianapolis Speedway, even if you're not necessarily a racing fan, but you're you know you're a little bit into history, history of this country. Sure, I would highly sure. recommend it. Their museum is hmm. literally as good a sports museum. As you will ever see, it's phenomenal. They, I don't know, Sweet. they had the foresight oh, okay. in a race that started in 1911 to preserve history from the get-go. So, I mean, you see mm. the cars and everything else; it, it really That's is cool. a, a piece of Americana. But this year's Indy 500 does have some significance in the sense that Danica Patrick is ending her racing career. Uh, she's 36 years old. She wanted to race one more time at Daytona. She hasn't raced at the Indianapolis 507 years, but she qualified. She'll be in the third row, and she is going to end her racing career. And the reason I, I mention hmm. this is that I actually was there 
in the beginning with Danica Patrick. For, uh, 16 years ago in 2002, as you know, I'm part of that celebrity race in Long Beach all those years. We yeah, have a pro yeah. division, and this 20-year-old named Danica Patrick, who I'd never heard of, um, she was uh, <laughs> she had tried to go to Europe to get a racing career. You know, this little five foot two inch twenty year old uh, woman, uh, and she she challenged these this pro driver named Tommy Kendall. He was a Trans Am champion that she would win the mm-hmm. pro division in the pro celebrity race. Everyone was laughing. Tommy's a big guy, by the way, about six four, and here's this little five foot two Danica Patrick. She beat him. And wow. it was such a shocker to all of us because no woman had ever won the pro division in this celebrity race. Bobby Rahal, the legendary IndyCar driver, he took notice, signed her on three years later. She's in the Indianapolis 500. So she goes from this little celebrity race in a Toyota Celica. Now she's driving the Indy 500. You go to NASCAR, where in the last seven years she's raced 191 times and never had a top five finish. Never even close to a win. Yeah, with NASCAR recently announcing their Hall of Fame class, Jeff Gordon, one of the all-time greats getting in first ballot, a lot of people were asked, does she belong in the Hall of Fame? Now, you say, well, what does she ever win? She has the highest Indy 500 finish ever for a woman, third place, highest finish Daytona 500 ever for a woman, eighth place. But beyond that, she transcended the sport. In other words, she brought more sure. attention to the racing world. She was incredibly valuable to any car, which basically had completely fallen off the map. And then when she goes to NASCAR, even though she's not really competitive in terms of winning, again, mm-hmm. she's bringing eyeballs to a sport. So I'm going to ask you, and I would say this of any athlete, and hers is a, is a rare circumstance, but could you make the argument? That in judging someone's value to a sport in terms of Hall of Fame, can you write the history of a sport without their name? Can you do that when you're not really competitive in terms of actually winning? What do you stand on that? Yeah, because, you know, when you tease this initially, I thought you were talking about Joe Thomas with the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy had never been a part of a playoff team. Right. I don't even know if he was. Man, I'd have to look at his whole career. I don't even know if he was a part of a winning team. Right. But then when you go look at him, it's like, yeah, he was a unbelievable left tackle. I played against him a number of times, and a guy that every time you left playing against him, we're like, wow, this guy, I don't know if there's anybody better than him in the game. This is unbelievable. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, there is a way to reconcile somebody's legacy as being Hall of Fame caliber, even if they don't have these unbelievable accomplishments to go next to their name that for other people and others that are inducted into whatever Hall of Fame you're talking about are carrying with them into the uh, – into the hall there. So Danica Patrick, she belongs there because she was able to break that, you know, the, uh, the, the barrier there, you know, between the sexes basically to show that, Hey, you know what? You don't have to be a male and, you know, in a predominantly male driven sport, no pun intended. And, you know, NASCAR and racing and things of that nature to go and have success. You could do that, uh, you know, what, whatever your background is. And she proved that and she's done it well enough to where I, I, no question, she belongs in the conversation of being in the Hall of Fame because she broke that barrier. Let me give an example, level. a football example, and that's Joe Namath. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that look back and they look at Joe Namath and they're like, why is this guy in the Hall of Fame? His career record was wow. 62, 63, and 4. His passer rating was 65-5 for his career. He actually threw <laughs> wow. 47 more interceptions than touchdown passes. So people just look at those numbers and are like, why is this guy in the Hall of Fame? And, um, and I try to explain as someone that's old enough to remember Joe when he won Super yeah. Bowl three and when he was that guy, why? I mean, again, 
impact. Did you have an impact on your sport? Exactly. Joe Namath was a game changer in the history oh, yeah. of professional football. He should have been well, a first ballot did. Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah, he basically made the AFL on the same grounds as the NFL. Right. To where now is like these are two. This is two legitimate conferences. Now this is one big legitimate league that we have, not just the NFL. That's the big one, and the AFL. They're sort of out there. No, he. He brought legitimacy across both leagues to where now it turned out to be what we know the NFL to be the day. So I'm with you 100%. You can't always just have the numbers and the right? stats. And, and I'm a stat you know, guy, and I'm telling and you, yeah, it's I'm not you. always about the stats. You know, again, it's did they have it was, an impact? You, exactly, exactly. Because you have to, you, have, you can't live in a vacuum, man. You can't live in a vacuum because there's outside forces that will determine. You know, somebody's status far more than even statistics. Because now, you know, if you're just going to go off statistics, that would make Philip Rivers a surefire Hall of Famer. And, that's well, my, no, that's not the and, case. And, and that's my whole point. What? Oh, boy. Exactly. I got to bring up somebody on that. Oh, all right. Hang on. <laughs> I want I want to stay a little bit with that. Plus, of course, hey, we got to predict because next Saturday we're going to have the NBA Finals going on, right? Woo. Uh, yeah. The question is, which two teams Who's gonna be are going to actually be there? Our bull predictions are coming up next. Steve Hartman and Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, by the way, I got a text message uh, from my friend Michael Thompson. Oh, I love it. Uh, Michael, former NBA star, father of Clay, uh, said, I'm listening. This is the top of the last hour. He goes, I'm listening. Your partner is on drugs. LeBron just might be the greatest ever, and he wouldn't pick him. Yep, he's on medication. Either that, or he needs a few days off. That's from Michael Thompson. Well, well you, maybe you you, uh, you go know. ahead and text Michael back, and you tell him that uh, that I appreciate him tuning in, mm-hmm. and that I'm a big fan of his son. That I believe his uh, yeah. his son is in a perfect place. Do not let him leave, because if he goes anywhere else, it'd be a grave injustice. I'm telling you that right now because he is in an ideal environment. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And and also tell him that he has brought his son up the right way. His son is a – because you know what I love about Clay? Clay is a guy that easily could be this whiny prima donna superstar. Yes. That complains about not getting the ball, that Mm -hmm. complains about not being, you know, their number one option on game plans, but he doesn't. You know what he does? He goes and he puts his freaking – just puts his ears back. And he goes and plays freaking tough defense on the other side of the court. That's no. what I love. So Yo, you tell me why. Well, you yeah, may think I'm tough. on drugs, but guess what? I really love the way you brought up your son because I love watching guys like that go to work. Well, let's because uh, also to give a lot of credit to his wife, Julie. She is the anchor. Uh, believe me, she has to put up a love well, okay. with the well, uh, Bohemian yeah. out there. Uh, but, but she's uh, not the one texting me telling me I'm drugs. That's no, no, no. Well, okay? I tell you so what, what we're going to do. Now, you, you know, you know, you and I, we have Marvez on. We never take any calls. Um, we'll get Michael on yeah. the show. Well, I, I will give you a chance to have a love little to. time. So, so I, I, uh, I texted him. Brady loves Clay. Um, so well, no, we you got to give him some credit and say, hey, also he loves the fact that No, no, that no. You uh, can do that when we get him right on the way. show. We'll, we'll get him when we get All on right. the show. All right. So we'll do that. that. Sounds good. Uh, I want to thank the crew today. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Nick. Um, Nick is Nick is really beside himself uh, because so many Laker fans are saying the same thing. We don't need LeBron James. I'm hearing that even my own son, Garrett, is going to be 20 on Thursday. I mean, you know, he's a diehard Laker. We don't need him. We don't need him. Diehard 
Laker fan or Kobe fan, Steve? Well, yeah. It's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that picture of him and Kobe, you know, is sitting there prominently oh, on his wall. So, uh, but you're, you're, you, you would, you sort of like to entertain the thought of LeBron in a Laker uniform next J- season? Just a little. You know, I, I like not having losing seasons. I want to be in the playoffs again or yes. compete for a title. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah amazing. How you, yeah, exactly. Who needs that? So, Nick, wait, wait. So, what you're saying is there's a faction of just Kobe fans out there that don't want LeBron co- to come because they may, they think it takes something away from Kobe to have LeBron as a Laker? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Wow, there there are up. some crazy Laker fans out there that have some kind of comparison with Kobe mm-hmm. and that if LeBron came here, it would take away from Kobe's legacy, and it's it's oh ridiculous. All right, I, I'm with you on that one. I'll take That's a LeBron a player, in a heartbeat. Uh, I want to thank David Gascon, who uh, I, I have a think. I think he has a future in the Alliance of American Football. I, I think that there is something there, uh, Gascon. I, you know, not as, as a player. What? He's going to be the voice of the Alliance of American Football. I'm just predicting. No, just he's going to be the voice of the NFL. He needs. To, he's going well, to eventually get up there. I promise well, you. As soon this as he is, does, AF, what, it'll be like half a season, and he'll, he'll be with the NFL. We got to start somewhere. Uh, but, I mean, and then, he's got the voice, man. And I'd then, love to listen to the old Gascon talk NFL football as I'm watching a game. It'd be very entertaining and warming. He has that warming kind of tone to you. I'm telling you, calms you down. And then uh, speaking of being raised right, Summerall. our producer Robert raised right yeah, yeah. by a father that is a, a big loose cannon fan. Uh, for my loose cannon, well, state. That's the only uh, so reason I appreciate why he's a great that. father because he listens to you and calls you a great loose cannon, right? But he, he, you know, Robert, he, he understands. He understands this show. Just let it go. Just let it go, and uh, <laughs> the show will take care <laughs> of itself. Uh, one quick note before we make everyone here is going to make bold predictions on who's going to be playing the NBA Finals next week. Uh, I got to mention this. You know, the Chargers first day OTAs, first day non-contact yeah. drill. Hunter Henry out for the year, blown ACL. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's just like, wow. All right. Shocker. So you just released Antonio Gates. Last time I checked, Philip Rivers sort of likes Antonio Gates. They, they still have. And, and by the way, last year, Gates, even though he was taking a back seat to Hunter Henry, he had 10 catches in his last two games. So it's not like he can't play anymore. And he wanted to continue his career, but the Chargers said goodbye. We've had enough of he you. See you later. No, Gates is done, man. That he guy is can't not. Move. Well, I He's mean, a, let me ask you this: 50, Would you, would year old man? Would you rather have? Oh but I mean, we're not talking long term. Hunter Henry will be back the following year. We're talking about a one year situation. So, would you rather have a guy I like even give Gates? Him a game. What do you Gates mean? Is, I'm telling you, he is so stiff and old right now. I mean, I wouldn't touch him. He, I give it the Chargers. He was still him. playing effectively last year. Did you miss it? And I he saw, has a certain what? report. He, they were forgetting uh, about him because they had Hunter Henry to focus on. All of a sudden, Antonio Gates is sitting there wide open. All, if Antonio Gates is your main tight end, well, they're going to put one stud linebacker slash safety on so him. So who do you want? Kobe Fleener? What I, Kobe's way better option than, uh, than old Antonio Gates. Old way Antonio better. Gates. Yeah, he's an old stiff man. Oh, well, it's okay. To me, a, up to a him. tight end, a tight end is a safety player. valve for your for your quarterback. And if the quarterback understands, and if they're on the same page, you know, we saw with Tony Romo and Jason. Move, Wynn. I mean, go over the history. He's of the be able to move. Steve, he's got to be able to move at least seven, eight yards. That's all 40, he needs 40, to do. 40, last 40. year, by the but way, the last year he averaged two. He has never averaged under ten yards a, ca- uh, a, a catch for a season. By the way, Witten did that five of the last six years. All right, all right. But Steve, do you realize that with Antonio Gates, that if he can't run like a, a certain speed, he down can the field, run fast enough nothing? to get to that open spot. All right, let's get <laughs> we'll to the uh, predictions right now. All right, we will start with how about you, Nick? Uh, who will be in the NBA Finals? I can't rule out LeBron James. It's going to be the Cavs Warriors. Cavs again. Warriors. Robert, what do you say? 
Cavs Warriors. Do we have Gascon mm. standing by? Gascon, he said no. All right, so what about you, Mr. Brady Papinga? Who will be in the NBA Finals? Well, did you remember who I picked initially about two, three, wait, no, about six weeks ago? Mm, remember yeah. who I picked? Uh, who you picked? Who uh, was it? Who was uh, You picked the who Rockets. Who was it again? Boston? Yes. Uh, come on. Boston <laughs> against the Warriors. Right. I'm still going with them, man. Boston right. Warriors. All right, let me think about this. I'm taking into account everything you've said out there. I would say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on the limb here. It's going to be 1986. That's right. Oh, no. Celtics, Rockets, bye-bye, Warriors. Oh, no. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.